Hello, everybody. My name is Steve, and I'm here today with Russ Jeffrey. We're going to talk about writing and uh, books and other stuff. So, Russ, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been, been looking forward to this for ages. Yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, I took the day off because you're in the UK and I'm here in America. So, oh, thank you for taking uh, the day off. I appreciate no, it. Was a, it was a great excuse to, I needed a day off. So, it worked out wrong. It worked out great. But uh, for, for people who aren't familiar with you, uh, what books have you written? Kind of what's your work? What's your specialty? Um, so I'm kind of uh, new to it all, really. Like I think I only started kind of releasing stuff uh, during lockdown because it kind of gave me an excuse. Uh, but I've been writing for years. But I think with lockdown, it was just that uh, excuse to try a bit harder and do a bit more. And um, so I oh, released my book juniper so it's a novella um it is part of an ongoing series um uh, which includes the bram stoker nominated tome uh which is a bigger beast um i'm not going to get them all out just just show you a few um tethered uh, which is a novella in flash uh, about father and son um i have also released recently uh, only the stains remain um which is oh there you go you got a proper copy i've still got the not for resale one <laughs> um and uh and yeah other, other bits and bobs and um yeah i predominantly write horror um but it's a bit some of it's a bit weird um you know yeah. bit bit dark bit bit strange but um i think when people meet me they're like are you the person that because you don't come across like that weird person that wrote that book <laughs> but well, let's see um yeah. But yeah so it's it's um i've got some bits in anthologies and and whatnot um and i have um i'm currently working on the third book of the juniper series now um and i have a novel um which this is an exclusive for you because oh wow i haven't told yeah. anybody yet a ticker to add here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was originally called um, Hostage, um, but I have now changed the title uh, to The Devil's Pocketbook. Um, and that is currently just marinating in its own grime behind the scenes until I kind of work out what's going to happen with it. But um, yeah, very excited about that. And I've had some like really cool people read it and, and give me some blurbs and you know um yeah i'm just excited to see where that goes because for me that's kind of i i personally think is my best book um mm -hmm. and it's kind of set in uh paul perrow in cornwall uh in the uk and um yeah it's a kind of unsettling horror what should you say but yeah that's <laughs> that's me in a nutshell just unsettling Unsightly, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. That's a good way, yeah. After only the, only the stains remain, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, uh, we were we were talking a little bit before we came on about you were writing and you lost your your file as you were. So tell us about that. Well, Bill Gates, I'm coming for you. Um, but no, no, I uh, I was writing all, all this morning. I took this week off to um, to kind of get some headway in in the new book, uh, which is called Scorched. Um, which is part three of Juniper, and uh, <clears throat> it's been going really well. Sorry, I've got a cough and a cold, so I apologise for anyone watching or listening. Um, and uh, and yeah, I've been hammering it out this week, and then uh, today 
I did about around about between five and eight thousand words um and very very happy with it because because it's the third book as well it kind of incorporates the previous two in certain ways and and this whole section that I wrote was quite detailed and long and um really good I, I thought it was really good um and <laughs> it was it was just going really well and then I went out to get a haircut came back turned on the computer again and uh, I had the spinning wheel of death and I thought oh, that's okay because you know I save it and it's auto saved uh, and then it just crashed and then when I, when I opened it again it hadn't even registered that I'd worked on it at all today so it must be some massive glitch and yeah I lost all, all the kind of five to eight thousand words just gone gone in an instant so uh, if there's any writers out there just keep on backing up your stuff even though I do stuff still happens um That's scary but yeah it's a it's a proper piss take because <laughs> i um yeah i was really happy with it and really excited and uh and then after it happened i went downstairs and told my wife and i was just like you need to pray for me because i'm gonna smash something up um and then uh and then yeah and i just sat down at the table trying to like remember what i'd written and i couldn't because i was so angry so but you know i've done it once so hopefully I'll be able to kind of redo it again and maybe even make it better. Who knows? But oh, it, there you go. It, it is a ball ache. But yeah. Yeah, that's gotta oh, that's gotta be really frustrating. And uh Ashley from Read Now Sleep Later is here, uh Rel Reads. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bukkara is at work and but goofing off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and of course Jay's here. Uh, Jay's always here. <laughs> yeah, he's hello, Jay, he's a good guy. Uh shenanigans always in forever shenanigans <laughs> happening all the time. Hello, hello. Uh, this guy Ross, he may have a future in writing. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jay. You may have a future in, in a different name. You're always changing your name. But, but yeah. it was, it's funny. I talked to uh, Anthony Self about a month ago, who is the author of Birthday Treat, who is which is a great reading that now I just came out a couple of days ago. Very good book. And, and uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. And just hearing him talk about the group at Storgi, the group of friends yeah. in and uh you know listening to all of you interact and maybe want to start writing just so i can be in the click you know it's so <laughs> like, i was like man i mean it took up writing to be a part of their little circle yeah yeah so storage storage sorry yeah it's a really special yeah everyone gets it confused but i think tony said yeah it's lots of stories and in excess orgy storage there we go yeah. um and uh and yeah it's been brilliant like i i tony and tomic set it up originally and then um they kind of brought me on board when they wanted to kind of expand it and didn't really know what to do. So then I came in and I was like, well, let's do book reviews and contact authors and all this kind of stuff. And, and it, yeah, it just exploded and it's, um, it's been brilliant. And the kind of little community that we've made with the writers, like we published hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and, you know, some of those have been like first time writers and we published their work and then, you know, a couple of years down the line, they're releasing their first book and they're really grateful for what we've done for them. And, and, you know, we've also published like a couple of first time writers as well, because we, we got their original short stories and we're like, we like these people, let's give them a shot. And then uh, they delivered manuscripts that needed to be kind of published. And yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. And uh, yeah, it is like a little family mm. <laughs> that's going on. Don't know. And there's Brad. Hello, Brad. Hey, Brad. He's just got a rough time. <laughs> Nice. I don't know anything anymore. I'm still thinking about killing Microsoft. Yeah. But, uh... but yeah, it sounds like a, a great 
a great little circle of friends and it's, you know, I'm sure you, you all bounce ideas off of each other and, you mm-hmm. know, kind of feed off each other. So that sounds like a great little uh, system you guys have set up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Like we all bring something different. Um, and we're all, well, I, I would say all very kind of talented. I'm going to flake my own boat, uh, writers. <laughs> um, you know, I'm un kind of educated as in, so is Tony, but like, you know, Tomic's got a master's degree in, in English language and all that. And he formats, he edits and formats all the books and, uh, and then me and Tony get to kind of piss around and come up with crazy ideas for anthologies and, and whatnot and, and then, and write books as well at the same time. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. We're, you know, they're, and they're always there, like, and for, for each of us, like if we've got an idea and we want to bounce something off of someone or, you know, we need someone to read it, you know, we're all there and we all give <coughs> pretty harsh criticisms of each other's works, which is good because you don't want someone just blowing smoke up your ass all the time. Um, and, and yeah, and like this last, so this past year that's happened. So since January, we've been doing like a, um, every week we've been setting each other a short, uh, like a title. And then we all go away and write the title. It's kind of like what Storgy was originally. Mm. And, um, and yeah, and then we come back the following where you can read our stories to each other and then kind of let each other know if things worked or if they didn't. And it's, yeah, it's just a nice, nice little kind of writing collective that's, you know, friends that enjoy books and don't mind telling each other if they've done something wrong. It's quite cool. <laughs> did that take a little bit of getting used to having negative feedback to that? When you first started writing, did it take a little bit of time to not take things personal? Uh, yeah. And I think I came from a point where I was, because I was just writing for me and I, you know, I, I went on like a seven break, a seven year break from writing because I was just, when I started, I was just writing stuff that I just really wanted to offend people with. Like I was just like, oh, that'd be really cool. Like in my angsty youth, I'm like, you know, I was just like, yeah, let me write stuff that's appalling and doesn't mean anything, but it's really graphic and violent and I'll just get people that way and they'll enjoy it or be shocked by it. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of like, I, I, I stopped that and, um, just yeah just stop writing in general because i was just like i'm just writing really dark stuff for no reason and um and then when i started doing it like writing properly um not that the other stuff wasn't proper but you know taking actual steps to improve and everything um it was a case of yeah try getting used to that because i never had anybody like give me it they'd say oh yeah that's really good or you know oh yeah it wasn't for me and but then having people give like these guys like Tony and Tomic, like constructive feedback for my stuff. It took me a while to get into the mindset of like before I'd get it and I'd be like, well, yeah, okay. You said that, but it's, it's perfect. <laughs> um, so it took a while to get into that. And, you know, and I've, you know, I've changed, I've evolved. I've, you know, I, I take everybody's criticisms on board now and treat them as, as they are. And if, you know, if they have something good to say, let them say it. If, if I don't agree with it, I don't agree with it, but, um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, and, and it's a big learning curve as well. Not that I've had many bad reviews for my books, um, or any, I don't really think, but like, um, it's just knowing that, you know, a reader is going to read the book and interpret it any way they want. And you can't, you can't have any say in that. Like, you know, if you've written something and, you know, like uh, only the stains remain. For instance, uh, like Mother Horror, she read it and did not finish it after a little while because she thought it was too much. Uh, you know, I think I've just seen Leslie's in here from the nerdy narrative. Like, yeah. she read it 
all the way through and did like a, a wonderful review that brought a tear to my eye. Um, and, you know, just seeing how somebody else engaged with it compared to someone that just, like, you know, mother horror is mother horror, you know, she reads horror. Um, and she didn't finish it because she found it too upsetting. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So, I, you know, I listen to every bit, everybody's criticisms. Uh, I, I don't get myself down on them. Um, and, yeah, just try to avoid all the dumpster fires that happen on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to avoid that sometimes. Yeah. And uh, uh, Keith Anthony had a question. Ross, just a thought. Did you try version history for your last five to 8,000 words? Uh, I don't even know what that is. But I tried pretty much everything on YouTube, but it didn't work. And I'm, I'm using Microsoft Word on a Mac, so it's a little bit different. And then, I, and then somebody uh, I sent it to a while ago came back to me and just said, uh, could you check something? I checked it, and even my kind of um, – the Microsoft Office package thing that I've got didn't even have a place to save any kind of files that were corrupted. It just wasn't in there. So I was just like, but thanks, Keith legend yeah maybe uh there's a way to get it back and uh it sounds yeah. like brad and jay are are planning a, a starting to they want to interview famous people too so oh, wow yeah look at that sounds like they're they're going to be uh, contacting you to get on the, the show they might call it paper cuts i hear i hear rumors yeah i've heard cuts. that i don't it's strange that paper cuts thing i'm not too sure yeah i'm not sure about that a thing. peculiarity that one Sometimes they're there, you know. Something like I watched one when Jay was on there, and Brad just disappeared. Don't know where he went. <laughs> it's an on-running joke, paper on-running joke. But there we go. Uh, we mentioned reviews and feedback. Do you read all of your reviews that you get on Goodreads and Amazon and everywhere? Yeah, at, at the moment, um, it. I, I'm probably at some point I will stop. Uh, but I'm just loving it at the minute. Like I don't mind, you know, I love reading kind of if someone loved it, if someone hated it, um, I don't mind. Uh, I, I do mind if it becomes personal, um, <clears throat> as in a personal attack on the author. And I've seen, I've seen some awful stuff. Uh, you know, I saw one on, uh, I think it's been taken down now, but it was on Goodreads and someone had, kind of read the book and gave it one star and then in their review said I would have given this five stars but I read I found out that you're an immigrant uh so I'm only going to give you one star hmm. um and you know why don't you go back to your own country and stop taking our language and and I was just like well like people just need to just well those people need to do something but I'm not going to say um but and then like you know like Eric LaRocca you know great guy love him uh his books are pretty much awesome like i love him like i love his style of writing um and you know i know people don't like his well some quite a lot of people don't like things have gotten worse since we last spoke quite a lot of people do mm -hmm. um but you know it doesn't mean you attack the guy for writing what he's written you know otherwise i'd be stuck writing books about white men with colds um <laughs> you know let let people let writers write um you know and deal with it after as long as they treat the subject matter respectfully do that but like you know some of the stuff that eric got like you know people cussing him for what he looked like and oh, yeah. you know not even like looking into the fact that you know 
like he's queer like they just assumed he was a white male white heterosexual male who's written something about lesbians and it's like come on like do your research before you start slagging someone off on the well don't don't even slag them off just do your research and then just give them a one star or whatever you want but um but yeah you know like as long as it's not personal as long as it's not you know attacking the author i don't mind the negative review you know sometimes they sell books and um i've bought a fair few books from a one-star review where they've said this wasn't for me because it was this and this and this and i've gone ah well that's what i like <laughs> sure, yeah. and uh, brad had a question how's scorched coming along uh scorched is coming along um it is currently at well it was earlier on today at uh 26,000 words. Um, obviously, we had an error, so it's gone back down to 19,000 words. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going great guns. Um, I don't know if you can see this, but well, I'll move it. I might break something, but hold it. This is my kind. This is how I write a book. Oh, wow. Um, look at that. So it's all broken up into. I'm going to take that away in case someone screenshots it. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, that's how I kind of write a book. So it's all broken up into acts and what I'm writing about. And so I kind of like just look up there whilst I'm writing. And um, But yeah, it's going along well. Um, I think fans of the books will enjoy enjoy it. And um, as all the books, they're written in a, in a way where if you picked up the second book and read that first, it wouldn't affect the other books. And likewise with this one, I've written it in a way that you get some hints about the other two books. Um, and uh and yeah it's going really well i'm loving it i'm loving the characters um it's it's dark it's a bit strange again <laughs> um but but yeah it, it brings in lots of kind of threads and you know i think yeah fans of the books will will enjoy it because there are you know references to other characters or other things that happened and um and yeah and it, it's quite strange writing like i i, I don't even wish i'd like when I first started it, I said it's going to be a trilogy, and then I was like, oh, "What have I done?" Like, because because and and they're set in like so like Juniper, the first book is the middle book, um, and then you've got Tome, which goes kind of seventeen years before Juniper, uh, and then the new one, Scorched, is seventeen years after Juniper. So the big time span, and I have spent when uh, when I spoke to Stygia and Sky Media, and they wanted to take the books and re-release them and um and they asked for the third book as well uh i was i was kind of like yeah that's cool and then it took me probably about three months to like work out like how old certain characters would be and like <laughs> what what name what was the name of the place that was mentioned in book two around the corner of such and such and i was like because someone will notice if i get it wrong like someone will be like you said that the dead Mexican bar was next to the post office and it's not there anymore. It's down the road. <laughs> so I was just like, Oh, so I had to plan it all. But, um, but yeah, it's come along good. Um, words are getting words are flowing. So it's all good, but, um, I'm hoping, uh, to have it finished like the first draft, second draft, um, by Christmas. Um, and then I'll kind of get it edited and go through it and, um, and I'll send it to the, Stygian crew to kind of see what they make of the final piece of the puzzle. Nice. Do the different colors of the cards mean anything or is it just uh, organization? Yeah, so um, the blue cards are normally just uh, kind of information. So that might be um, 
like characters and uh, places and certain kind of bits of information I've taken. Uh, the yellow ones are the different acts. Um, and then the pink and green ones are just the, the chapters in between the acts. Um, and then, yeah, I've got lots, there's lots of, I normally collate lots of bits of information. So um, this one deals, uh, as the title suggests, with fire. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I've got certain bits from kind of like uh, the unexplained book about fires and all that kind of stuff. And I just, yeah, kind of do that with it, just chuck it all up there and like, hope it sticks and then see where it goes but that's a good idea did you have a map of the of the areas of the place or did you just kind of keep notes for no i don't have a map of it i'd love to have a map but i'm not <clears throat> i'm not that good at doing that type of stuff um but it's all in my head like i know what it looks like um i spent a lot of time there <laughs> um but uh but yeah i don't i'd love a map actually that'd be brilliant but um Maybe some fan could do it. If I've got any fans, they could come out of a town. Who knows? Uh, I've I've noticed that map map making is a thing for books. I didn't ever realize that mm. that people actually create maps of. Uh, I've seen it a lot in fantasy books, but I thought that was really interesting that they that's what they do all day is create maps. Yeah, because I also like. Um, <coughs> uh, I think. Um, what is it? Uh, Patience of a Dead Man like even even just maps of houses like the internal what it looks like um because i think that had a map at the beginning of it and then i also read amateurville horror the other day and that had a my version was different than lots of other people's but it had maps in of kind of like the upstairs what it looked like and then the basement and um i quite like it it breaks it up and makes it like interesting and uh, Jay had a question. Any special bedroom scenes in Scorched, like Tome? <laughs> um, for those that have not read Tome, uh, there's a bedroom scene in it that absolutely appalled Brad. Um, and I think quite a lot of people that have read it. But uh, And it's, the only, it's one of the only scenes that I've written that there's a couple that I have, but this, is, this one was up there that scared me whilst I was writing it. Um, like I wrote it when my wife was out she'd gone away to stay and taken the kids away and i was at home just kind of like hammering away at the keys and then finished it and then i re i reread what i'd read and, and in tome it's raining all the time and and that evening it was pissing down like the, hitting the window and all that and it was crazy and i started reading it with the lights off obviously because i was working on my laptop in the dark like an idiot and then uh and then like i i, I was reading it and i just yeah i scared the crap out of myself and then i kind of <clears throat> had to go to YouTube and watch videos of like cute dogs or something to kind of get over get over my fright. But um, yeah, <laughs> to watch some kitten videos. Uh, yeah, too many kitten videos. Uh, but Cara says I love that writing method. It's like a story map or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I always talk about this when I'm on my interviews, and I'll do it again just so it's a common thread. That uh, when I went to university, I went to university to study film. And uh, and Jay will probably drop something in the chat now about a box. But um, the best thing I learned at university was to get a massive box. And uh, anything you found of interest, you just stick it in this box. Uh, so, you know, it might be like you've, you've seen someone and you jot, jot down what they look like or a bit of conversation or you found a feather or a coin or something like that. And you put it all in this box. And then when it comes time to writing, you just 
open the box up and you can like sift through all these like amazing kind of details that you've forgotten about and you can kind of get characters from it and all that and that's kind of what i do with my with my board like you know i had uh with uh, the devil's pocketbook um that all initially started from a, a kind of mermaid's purse that i found on the beach and i've still got it downstairs but like that was the the kind of key um that set it all rolling and and then like i i i sketch kind of what people look like the characters so then when i'm writing i put them up so i can see what they, their faces look like and stuff and um and yeah it's it's kind of cool i just like the visual of seeing something and, and not having to like flick through a book just so i can be writing and then just quickly get like a you know like a word or a scene that i've written down and then just put it into the book um it works for me works for me That's tell jared on a map yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him i don't know what he'll do but i'll tell him um but then if i tell him he's going to ask me what it looks like and then i've got to try and explain i don't know i'm, I'm sure we'll come up to it i don't know we'll see and, uh, jay says it's box time box time jay Jay's I hope Jay's got a box because Jay mentions that every single time he should get a box. Yeah, and uh, with only the scenes remain, what what were your, some of your inspirations for the story? Well, I um, initially wrote a you know I was saying that myself and uh, Tony and Tomek were doing those short stories, and um, we were sitting there one night and uh it was tomek's turn and he uh he we all come up with really good titles tomek is one of those look and see what's around me type of people and then we'll say like pen because it's here <laughs> um and he had a packet of fags on on his table and it had like duty paid written on it and he was just like duty paid <laughs> so we we're like are your cigarettes next year he was like yes <laughs> um and that was a title and then kind of i went away and wrote it and um <clears throat> it's kind of like a is it it's pretty much the story of um only the stains remain but told in uh just under five thousand words so it was quite quick and short and sharp and a lot of information was left out obviously but um and yeah and it kind of came from that and i wrote that and then uh read it to the guys and they really enjoyed it and, and thought it was really good and and I just thought that was it. And I just finished uh, the Devil's Pocketbook, and that was kind of sitting there to the side. And um, and I kind of didn't have a project that I was working on. Um, and uh, I was just sitting there, and and the character um, of, of Jude just wouldn't leave my mind, and um, it just felt like I was being haunted by this character. And um, you know every time i would sit down i'd think about him and i'd be like oh, how did he end up like that and like what led that person to to do that or to you know what were the kind of things that pressed in on him that made him kind of do the things he did and and um and yeah so i just started really just just jotting down information and um like little little scenes and and i i didn't want it to be a big book um because i just wanted something quite short and sharp and you know can can cut you <laughs> and uh and yeah so i started writing that one and you know got all the pieces together and worked out kind of the family dynamic and who would be what and how it would work and then i wanted to break it down <coughs> excuse me uh even further to like okay i want to i've got you know five characters i'll do five 
parts and then each part will consist of three and then how do I get from there to there and there. Um, yeah, lots of people say that my writing style, like writing technique is quite intense. Like I have stuff, lots of stuff planned out and how it will go. But for me, that's how it works when I write. Like it, I just, you know, if I know that my books, you know, five acts long, each act's got to have a certain amount of chapters and each act should have the same amount of chapters and it just balances out. And, um, and yeah, and that's where that kind of came from. It was just that, yeah, initially a short story and, um, and out of that kind of session that we've been doing with Tony and Tomek, I've had a few other stories that have that I've written um, that kind of keep coming back to me. So they may be they may turn into longer books or you know novellas. Um, I'm not too sure, but uh, I just love I just love writing. Uh, you know, I just can't stop. Um, and it's funny because you know it's come out of nowhere. I wasn't very good at English at school. Um, and you know i had a horrible english teacher she used to bully me and um and i never i never used to read either like it's only since i got married that i i've read as an adult properly um and uh yeah i just i just absolutely love it and i love the fact that i can kind of affect people through my words and um you know in a positive way and also you know and again i mentioned like leslie who was watching i don't know if she's still watching but like her review of only a stranger main made me kind of well up because obviously it deals with like some heavy topics mm-hmm. and and you know she probably won't, won't mind me saying because it's on a review but you know she went through something quite similar and um and she said that the writing in it made her feel validated it made um it was never glorified it made her feel that she'd been seen and and, and for me to get that kind of reaction from a reader is just absolutely amazing like you know i write my books for for me predominantly like i write books that i want to read and the stories that i like um and the fact that someone else has, has kind of had that such profound and powerful kind of reaction to my work is just astonishing and and it's such a like a privileged position to be in that that people will pick up my books and have that kind of reaction to them and it just blows me away like and you know, I've read books that have made me go like crumble at the knees, like Songbirds and Stray Dogs by Megan Lucas, like that destroyed me. Um, but like, it's it's just amazing. Like, I love it. But that's a long-winded answer to how I wrote Stains. But there we go. No, it was great. Uh, and Keith Anthony says uh, the the elder brother device was the key piece of the puzzle for me. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, something that really struck me with only the Stains remain is. Is that there's horror and there's you know there's ghouls and ghosts and demons or whatever, but this kind of horror is scarier because you can see these things happening. Mm. You know these awful things have happened to people and probably happening now, and that that's what made it uh, scary. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. What I what I love to write about is kind of monsters of men. So like. Or, or women, you know, like just, just kind of really the the evil that someone can do to someone else, I find is more scarier than like you know, like a zombie walking in the room and eating my face off now. But like, just how evil like humans can be to one another is, is something that just it chills me to my core. You know, like just how, especially like especially the subject matter of stains, like you know, child abuse and stuff. It's like 
how messed up do you have to be to do that and and you know and not even care like it's just yeah it, it just blows my mind and I, and I love writing characters that are just vile and horrible people I, I you know the uh, warden fleming in in tome uh lots of people absolutely despise him he was a lovely character to write but um but yeah i made him quite you know horrid and uh yeah people people love it um I think as well, lots of people have said that the, the character the uncles in in Only the Stains Remain are also quite each terrifying in their own way of their depravity and what they do. And um, but yeah, again, like <coughs> excuse me, there there's no there's no monsters hiding under the closet or vampires and, and things like that. Um, it's just yeah, what what man can do to man, and um, yeah, it's just chilling. Like, a, yeah, it's not something I, I don't know. It's quite straight. And I wrote it as well. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, I wrote that into, but it's, it's written in, like, it was quite challenging to write, but it, it doesn't glorify anything. And, and what I was kind of, because someone had told me to read, uh, there was Josh Malaman told me to read, um, uh, the girl next door, um, because I'd never read any Jack Ketchum. And lots of people were saying to me or referring to my books, like, oh, that's very Ketchum-esque and hmm. oh, he writes like Jack Ketchum. And and I'd never read any. And I was kind of like, well, I, I should probably check this guy out. If people are saying I write like him, I want to know kind of if they're right and, you know, what it's about. And I had a couple of his books that I just bought just because I thought oh, I'll buy a few and then I'll decide which one to read. And then I was, I was talking to Josh and he said, um, he was like, if you're going to read a book by Jack Ketchum, read his best and read Girl Next Door. And I was like, okay, that's, that's it. I'll read that. And I, I read it after I'd finished Stains. Um, and uh, yeah, I was kind of like, I was like, yeah, actually, I can see, I can see the comparisons. I said completely different, but I said, I can see kind of what he writes like and what I write like. And, um, and yeah, that book is, it, you know, it's dark. Have you read it? Uh, the, the Girl Next Door? Yeah. No, I haven't yet. Okay. It's it's dark, and, you know, lots of people didn't finish it. And, again, Mother Horror didn't finish it. Um, so I'm in good company. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and I was kind of reading it, and I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it is. And it is bad, but... Um, I think it's got this label of being this kind of really graphic, violent, you know, book, and it and it is in ways, but I don't know. It just it it wasn't as offensive as I thought it was going to be with all these people that I'd seen that did not finish it, and you know, oh, this is disgusting and blah. blah. Um, but yeah, it's each person to their own, and it just for me, it wasn't as you know. There are scenes of torture and stuff and other bits and bobs, but then also there's a there's a wonderful. I think it's just like a one sentence chapter in it and it's like i don't need to tell you what happened here and then it's the next chapter and it was like oh that's quite a nice way of pulling away from revealing all that horror but but yeah <laughs> and uh Bukhara says yeah that's some of the scariest stuff the stuff that could actually happen mm. <laughs> and uh brad proctor is ready is waiting for your vampire novel yeah he uh he he, he doesn't he's taking the piss <laughs> <laughs> um he knows I, i'm not a big fan of vampires because 
they haven't really been scary since um, let the right one in, in my opinion. Um, that, that's my opinion. Let me have my opinion, Brad. <laughs> and uh, our friend Daniel, Daniel Barnett is here. Yay. And uh, Northwest Reader is also here. Hello, everyone. Wow, this is, yeah. this is pretty special. And Saf just got here. She's, uh, or Saf is here. She, uh, sorry I'm late. Got distracted watching Squid Game oh. on Netflix. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. No, I've not seen it. I just finished watching um, Midnight Mass, which was brilliant. I loved it. But yeah, we uh, we've, we watched that with Daniel Barnett, who's, who just popped in, and he said Ketchum knows exactly when to leave something to the imagination. Yeah, exactly. And that's what people have said about Stains. You know, they said it kind of gets you to a point, and then I kind of pull away, which I because I, I don't want it to be, you know, gratuitous and kind of, Exploitate, exploit, exploit, exploitative, tative. Yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I thought it was that word. I was, I was, I think I had one sip of this and I'm already drunk. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I didn't want it to be like that. So, kind of like lots of reviewers have said that you know, it gets you, it gets you, gets I get them to a point where it's kind of said and left, and then the reader comes up with what they imagining is happening, and that's more scarier than anything I could write. Um, you know, everybody's kind of interpretation of certain things is a lot scarier than I yeah, could ever come up with. So I quite like leaving things like that, like the old horror films of old, you know, like Alien, for example, like they hardly ever see the creature. And then that kind of keeps in your mind, like, what it, could it be? And and like Stephen King's It as well, like, especially that the, the, the book, like reading that, it's like... There are details in here, but there's a lot missing, and you kind of come up with your own interpretation of what it is to you. Um, but yeah, that's quite cool. That's almost scarier than it is when it's just given to you. Leave it to your imagination. Mm. Uh, and how does the movie adaptation of The Girl Next Door compare to Ketchum's book? Uh, I don't know. I've not seen it. <laughs> um, I've heard it's quite graphic but uh yeah i've not i've not seen the film um i'm in a bit of a strange phase at the minute and and films aren't really doing it for me um yeah it is yeah. it's uh yeah i think also it's just the constant remakes of certain things and but yeah i don't know i'm finding quite a lot of love in the uh in just tv shows um but you know i used to be film mad like i love i love i still love film um but like books are just so much better. <laughs> I just, I just can't help it. But yeah. So, what were your non-spoilery thoughts on Midnight Mass? What did you think of it? Uh, Midnight Mass is like one of my favourite subgenres of horror. So, um, kind of religious horror. Um, I. I loved it. I thought there was a far too many long kind of just drawn out conversations that just took forever to finish monologues. Um, but like every, everything else about it, I loved. And I, I was a little confused. I have to say at one point because I couldn't quite work something out in my mind. Um, I'm trying to think if I can say it, if it's spoilery or not, but I'm not, um, excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> Well, just just you know, customs in America must work completely different than it does here because hmm. that thing would never have got 
in this country i'm telling you um but yeah it's it's strange i'm not too sure like i, I love the show i thought it was brilliant i thought the i thought the cinematography of it was amazing um I, the acting was just phenomenal um and i can't remember the woman's name but the kind of priest woman that's with the father like she was just phenomenal yeah. um and uh and and yeah the, the preacher himself was brilliant um yeah i loved it I, I yeah i have a couple of issues but i can't really talk about them because it's going to be spoilery but um but yeah i loved it um i wasn't a fan of um the haunting of blind manor is it um i did watch it but I, it wasn't as good as haunting of hill house for me um so i'm glad to see that midnight mass has kind of you know increased my expectations because i love the director as well like um that he directed dr sleep as well didn't he um, yeah um i forget his name it's slipped my mind but yeah he did dr sleep he did oculus hush and a couple other things yeah yeah because i <clears throat> i have to say i think um after saying i haven't watched any films for ages that dr sleep was probably the last kind of most recent film i'd watched um and i thought it was bloody brilliant like if anyone like wants to make my books into a film i'm giving them to that man because like after seeing dr sleep i was just like yeah that's pretty scary um yeah it was, it, yeah I, I loved i loved it i thought it was really good um and uh i think episode three for me was a massive it might have been three or four it was a massive highlight um i loved the episode and the character acting and everything that went on was just chef kiss brilliant yeah some really good highlights uh, uh bukhara says i started watching midnight mass too only, only ep one episode in though well maybe binge this weekend and i think a lot of the people who had complaints about it uh had different expectations of what it was going to be going into it i think the trailers miss i don't want to say misrepresented it but i think it you, you may go into it expecting something that you're not going to get because it's, yeah, it's not a jump it's not a jump scare type of no i think cause, yeah i think the trailer does it a disservice because it makes it kind of like this fast-paced thing that it but it's more slow burn um <coughs> building up to a particular thing um but yeah like yeah it's, it's always the way though with trailers sometimes they just completely sell the wrong product um and, uh northwest yeah. northwest reader says i hate the old age makeup yeah it was it was distracting yeah yeah there, there's I, a point to it but there's a point i was also thinking why not just cast someone older that looks like that person and then just gradually peel it back but. yeah it, it was it was pretty bad makeup also the other thing that really annoyed me and it's probably my only kind of really big bugbear about it was when um uh seagull kate seagull is that her name i'm gonna, have to I think so. yeah. I'm gonna make a mistake and i don't want to um and thankfully staff is here to save me uh they're always here to to help me out because i always get my plan again yeah so thank you Saf. um yeah the only bit that really annoyed me and i was like come on like i can see that this production has had a lot of money thrown at it like you know what i mean and there was a scene with kate seagull so erin and riley and they were on a boat yeah this particular scene i'm not saying anything else about it yeah. and 
like the water's choppy. Like you can see in the background that the green screen that they're using, the water is choppy, and they're just sitting in the boat like like two ducks, like just sitting there still. And I'm like, why is the boat not like doing this? Like you can see in the background that these waves are coming like towards them, and they're just yeah, yeah. I was like, it should be like this. Like come on, like what's? But anyway, that's just a bugbear. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, David Butcher says, the vain, weak, domineering, wicked, loving, sick, tired, compassionate, or kind. There's so many types, and they all fit into they all fit into our stories together. Without the good and the bad, has nothing to work with. That is true. Yeah, very good point. Uh, Brad says, oh, he did Gerald's game on Netflix. Yeah, that was good as well. And uh, Jay says, uh, this, Mike Flanagan's wife is Katie, or is it Kate or Katie uh, Siegel, I believe. Yeah, Kate Siegel, yeah. And uh, yeah, you'll notice the the boat, uh, North of Three. Yeah, That's, you'll notice it. And then you can then you can think of me just just doing this. Come on, <laughs> in the background. Well, if you look yeah. at the show though, like the production cost must be massive. So I'm just like, how could you just scrimp on that little one detail? You just have to have a lever under the boat to do that, and then you'd have been fine. Well, have me there. Just, <laughs> just ride just back and forth. Yeah. But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a really good show. I love the soundtrack. The I'm not a big <coughs> excuse me. I'm not a big fan of writing. Um, I'll finish the sentence. Um, but like writing with uh, like stuff in the background. Like um, normally, I write in where I am now <coughs> when the kids are at school or my wife's out or and um, and I haven't really ever listened to music whilst I've written. Um, for Stains, it was the first book that I started uh, just listening to kind of orchestral music and stuff like that um, to get like a feel for it. And, and with that one, so with Stains, I listened to um, the kind of themes of John Carpenter. Um, so some of the, the Fog soundtrack and um, Christine and, and other bits like that. So that was that soundtrack. But for the new book, Scorched, it has predominantly been uh midnight mass soundtrack from start to finish on repeat like it is just chilling and i'm getting good good vibes from it and it's helping the writing go um and i kind of love all that hymnal music that's in it because and especially on the soundtrack if you haven't listened to the soundtrack down or use your streaming service whatever you use and, and just listen to it because it is hauntingly beautiful. Um, and then like you've got a few of those kind of hymnal tracks at the beginning, and then it goes into kind of the more atmospheric stuff of the of the show. Um, but that's kind of currently, yeah, every time I sit down, I just put that on and leave it on repeat for the whole album. Um, and yeah, it's, and, and also it's quite, quite calming as well, especially when I'm having issues with Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Absentia was a great exercise. Was a great exercise in mood, and the ending showed that Flanagan is not interested in compromises. Mm. I think I've seen that. Oh, uh, was it is a TV series or the movie? Uh, I think I've seen the movie. Oh yeah, uh, it, I think it's Flanagan's first movie is um, Absentia, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. Um, oh, yeah, I've not seen that one. Yeah, <coughs> it's his first one. 
I've seen pretty much all his others. But, but yeah, again, I just saw Doctor Sleep again. It's making me want to watch it. Um, and uh, Brad says there is a Brad Proctor says there is a Midnight Mass book, Easter Egg, and Hush in Gerald's game. Yeah, there's a book uh, in both of those movies. Uh, I think Flanagan's been kind of throwing ideas around for Midnight Mass for ten years. I think I read somewhere. Oh right. So it's a been a long uh, long journey for for Midnight Mass. Well, so there's a book called Midnight Mass in both Hush and Gerald's game. Yeah, oh, I think wow. she. I think the character in Hush wrote a book called Midnight Mass, and then in Gerald's game, there's a book on the shelf that is called Midnight Mass. Oh, that's genius. What a legend. Shared universe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Butcher says, but you still have to kill some of them. Yeah, you have to kill your darlings every now and then. I don't, I don't like it, but sometimes it has to happen. Is that tough to kill characters off? Not if they're horrible bastards. Well, but, uh, <laughs> but if they're if they're good people, um, yeah, it's it's different. It's I don't know. It's what the story calls for. If I found it difficult, um, m more so that I'd spent a lot of time with this person and I'd kind of got to know them. I'm not telling you what book because it'll ruin stuff. Um, but yeah, I spent a lot of time with this person and it was kind of yeah. There was only one way it could go, and I, I was kind of I wrote it in a, in the way that my hands were tied, and I was just like, oh, "Damn you!" Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult, but I think as well, you know, it's also shocking and and thrilling at the same time. Like especially as a reader, like I've read books where I was like Brian Bowyer. I don't know if you've read his stuff. I think you have. have oh you yeah, yeah, yeah. I read um, um, Sister Mix. Yeah, yeah, like his stuff. Y you can never, ever, like, look forward to a character because most of the time he builds it up and you're like, oh, yeah, really loved it. And then it's like dead. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then like, you start the next one, you're like, hopefully this person, no, dead. Um, but yeah, like, no no one is safe in a Brian Bowyer book. Like, he just, the hatchet flies and people just. And it doesn't matter if you're old, young, you know, child, disabled, whatever. Like, it's just, just no one is safe. And they, they die in very terrible, awful, yeah, <laughs> awful ways. Terrible, awful, despicable ways. Um, yeah. Was, but well, again, like, that's like, it's gold dust, especially when you're reading it and you, you know something's going to happen, but you just can't even imagine what is going to happen. And then he just, just, tears it all up <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few stories of sinister mix that i was reading and you thought the horrible points were gone and then at the very end it's like whoa okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it got it got worse uh with your writing are there any lines you won't cross just that you set for yourself that you just won't do certain things in your book um i uh would never do anything uh I choose my words wisely here. That glorifies rape in any way. Like that's a that's a no no. Um, although Staines deals with certain issues and topics around that, is never kind of shown or broadcasted. Um, I uh, yeah, it's it's strange. Like I don't really. Um, I obviously have boundaries, but it's not. Like if I'm 
if it's hard to explain it, but like if I'm not going to go there, I won't go there. So I don't really know what it is until I'm actually in the zone. But definitely anything with involving stuff happening to children is for me as a father. It's just something that I'm just like, no, I'm not even going to entertain it. Um, I, I would never write anything blasphemous. Um, you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, I'm not going to go there. So, um, although, you know, I, I do challenge myself in writing stuff that is, you know, tome has a quite heavy, um, good, good versus evil kind of side of thing. And, you know, it's, it's a way how I can kind of address certain things that I've found not right in church and kind of what, what is allowed and what isn't and kind of all that type of stuff. But um, yeah, I'd never write anything kind of blasphemous or, you know, as the devil or whatever, but that's just, that's just me. Um, you know, I do write characters that might share that idea or, you know, are blasphemous and all that kind of stuff, but I'd never write any book that is, you know, against what I believe in. Um, and it's strange as well, because I write horror and, you know, uh, stepping into church and someone says, oh, my husband's a writer. And, and then they come to me and they're like, oh, what do you write? And I was like, I write horror. <laughs> you just see them look at it like, back away. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, <clears throat> I said at the start, you know, like some, a lot of people, I think a lot of people read Juniper and, and they're kind of, it's a bit weird. Uh, and then they kind of look at you a bit funny afterwards. I'm not, not quite sure about this, man. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, mainly it's just stuff about children, anything blasphemous um, that I really stay away from. Everything else is on the cards, you know, I'll, I'll give it a go. If it's if it's hitting the kind of like a trigger for me at a certain time, I probably won't, um, you know, develop it further than what it is. Um, another thing, like, <clears throat> I won't go into trigger warnings um, or that kind of stuff. I watched that episode okay. um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so I won't go into that at this point, but what I will say is um, like I, my auntie, she, she died years ago of, uh, she, she went missing. So she just disappeared when I was about, I can't remember about three or four and um, didn't see her again until I was about 18. And then she kind of turned up on the doorstep and hmm. um, I had my auntie back, which was amazing. And then, uh, like a few years later, she died of a heroin overdose, and she'd been a heroin addict all like since she'd disappeared. She'd been a heroin addict all that time. So heroin kind of use and kind of that type of stuff does affect me in a way. But if it's done well, it doesn't. It's just if it's kind of glorifying it, and you know, if it's very graphic details about that type of use. Um, and you know, my day my day job, I work with the homeless, so I deal with that kind of stuff quite a lot. And um, but I have to say, like, if you deal with it in a in a good way, like you know, Chad Lutsky's um, Wallflower mm -hmm. is all about heroin usage and you know someone trying to discover it and how they get hooked and all that kind of stuff. And when I first picked it up, I was like, oh, I'm not. Am I going to like enjoy this, or am I going to? Is it going to be one I have to put down? But because again, it's how you deal with the subject matter, and if if you're going to take time and dedication in, in approaching it in the correct way, then even someone like me who has those kind of issues with it is not kind of overly assaulted by it. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, just how you kind of write stuff in. Um, 
I don't know where that whole question or answer came from. It just sprung up. So but this is the show where you come to chat. Isn't it? Exactly. Uh, Ashley says, I don't know if I should be happy or paranoid that disabled characters would be fair game. <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. That's, it's extreme horror, he writes. So uh, he just swings that hatchet. Yeah, oh, yeah, the hatchet swings. Uh, in the age of hard-boiled pulp novels, Brian Bowyer would be as popular as Jim Thompson. Mm. Uh, David Butcher says, I haven't read any, any of your novels. Do you look, write likable but evil bad characters? Have you been in a situation where you don't want to kill a character or sort of have to for the book itself? I think you kind of went over that a little bit. but uh, Do you write likable? <clears throat> yeah, I have... Um... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, when I was writing uh, Tome, um, I know a fair few authors uh, that I adore because they're amazing. And um, working through Storgy, I've been able to kind of interview them and get to know them, and we've just shared and stuff. And um, I sent uh, an early copy of, of Tome to. Was it Tome? Yeah, I think I sent an early copy of Tome to um, Priya Sharma, who is a fabulous author. Um, and uh, she kind of came back to me and said, yeah, th this is good, but it needs a little bit of work around the likability of your bad character, which was the, the Chief Warden Fleming. And um, she was kind of like, you know, at the minute, he's very kind of caricature -y bad guy. Like, you know, we don't get to, we don't get to like him. He's just evil all the way through and there's no redeeming features or there's nothing that you can't see how he became this thing that he is now. Like you need to kind of make, um, and so I kind of went away and worked on that and, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, yeah, kind of went back into it, drilled down into kind of who he was and worked on some of his, and you know, this is kind of the second book I've written. It was like a novel as well and it was a big step up from what i used to do and i was kind of like, okay i've got i've got more words to play with here so i can you know maybe introduce a little bit about why he was like that and you know how he became you know this racist kind of person that he is and and um and i did those changes kind of sent it back to her and she came back and was just like spot on like you, you've done it like that's that's what you need and and i learned from that that um and you know, and you only learn from kind of taking on advice, like we said at the beginning, like um, that. You know, bad characters can have some redeeming qualities. They don't always have to be this horrible thing or this, you know, um, devious monster type thing. But um, and yeah, that's helped me kind of craft characters moving forwards, and um, especially with the third book, like I'm, I'm kind of tackling lots of because in, in Tome, there's, uh, in Juniper, sorry, there's this kind of, and, and in Tome, there's this kind of big racial undertone that's going through and this kind of white town with these kind of black kind of periphery characters that are seen as pariahs. And, you know, it's, it, I've kind of said it like, I haven't really set a place, but it's kind of like Southern States-ish and it's called Juniper. It doesn't exist, people. It's, it's fictitious. And... Um, and uh, and yeah, but I just wanted to to kind of like challenge these things that I feel are completely incorrect. Um, you know about racism and 
sexism and homophobia and stuff like that but i've had to build this town and populate it with these horrible people that you know um you know say some really heinous stuff to one of like to the characters that you know um that they're trying to offend and but in doing so i'm able to challenge those stereotypes and and build on what i perceive as kind of you know that is that is evil like racism i absolutely hate it i, I you know it's disgusting but i've had to build that into the books to be able to then challenge that in the books and um and there's a, there's a long afterword in um tome that goes into that a bit more and kind of my headspace when i was writing it was kind of around um the george floyd issue that happened in america and um so i'd kind of written most of the book by then but then that kind of happened towards the end of me writing and i was just like you know stuff never changes like and it's not just in america it's like everywhere um and if we're not going to use the platforms that we've got to kind of answer those kind of questions or challenge perceptions of people then you know, for me like what am i doing if i can't even try to do some good in creating these evil characters that i can then either butcher terribly or you know get across some kind of change in them for good or um you know that furthers the story and furthers a, a dialogue with kind of dealing with those big issues um but yeah so yeah i do write yeah likable bad characters they're not very likable but they're, they're there <laughs> Uh, Jay says, yes, let's get into uh, TWs again. And then Ashley is ready to leave because she was there too. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun one for you. Oh, yeah. I still, yeah, that was, that was a good one. Uh, Jay says, Wallflower is great because of how it's presented. It doesn't glorify anything. Yeah. Uh, do you do anything to improve your writing, Your whether you kind of hone your craft? Do you go through any kind of exercises or... Uh, tips or anything you have <laughs> uh absolutely nothing um the only thing i do um as i said wasn't very good at english um the only thing i do is read voraciously uh i read everything um i read outside my genre of horror and i read kind of the only thing i don't read and i sorry if i offend anybody here is i don't read much fantasy because i just don't um and i don't read kind of romance um they're the only kind of two genres that are are not there for me in any way um but yeah just reading and writing are the best ways to learn for me especially how to do it and do it well um and you know like, like if you look at I think like Donald Ray Pollock's work, for instance. Like I love the man; like he's brilliant. Like it, his his words are just amazing. Like how he writes is just beautiful. And and um, and uh, yeah, James Fry, who uh, did a million little pieces. He was one of the first people I kind of read when I started reading properly, and um, it just blew me away because his his kind of sentence structures are non-existent. So they're they're just. Mm couple of set couple of words full stop a couple of words full stop one word full stop and then it's just kind of he wrote the book how he wanted to write it and um and it's yeah it's just teaching all the time all the time and um like chuck paulonic um again one of my favorite writers like he 
he kind of got me into write like into reading and writing um and i've learned so much from just reading his books over the years and then he did a, a kind of writing book called consider this recently um mm. which was again like phenomenal and you know i've read stuff like you know stephen king's on writing and um uh, what's the other i'm currently also working through tim wagoner's um what's it called Saint in the dark uh, writing in the dark um and then kind of margaret atwood's kind of books about writing and um i i, I do it that way I'm, I'm not i'm not really an academic at all um and it's quite strange because my children come home from school and tell me all these amazing words not well amazing words but um kind of i'm trying to think of you know like um trying to think now uh the proper words you use to kind of describe something like a, I don't know, like a verb or adjective and all that, but then all these other kind of random words I've never even heard of. They're like, oh, do you know what a subjunctive, subjunctive clause is and all this? And I'm just like, I have no idea. And then they'll tell me, and I'll be like, oh, that's just me writing. That's what I do anyway. And that's, I just don't know the word for it. Um, I'm probably coming across really uneducated here, but um, I don't really care. Um, and the. Uh, and yeah, and it's, it's it's strange, and you know, I've got a video on my YouTube channel where, um, when I was writing Juniper, <clears throat> it was going to be with um, an independent publisher, and they kind of sought me out and kind of were like, okay, we we like your writing, could you send us it, and we'll have a read. And I sent it to them, and they said, okay, we really liked it. We're going to send it to, um, going to send it to a published author who's going to kind of read it and kind of give us a recommendation of whether we publish it or not. Hmm. And um, he went away, read it, and then uh, came back and was kind of sent me a like a two-page email of all the reasons why I should stop writing. Um, really? Yeah. I've still got it in my wow. drawer. I use it as a kind of... <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I kind of like... Um, and it was just kind of like... You don't know what you're doing. Uh, I'd put this back on the shelf, leave it, and come back to it later. Go back to short story writing because you're not any good. Um, you know, there's issues with spelling, issues with grammar and word formation, and all this kind of stuff. And and for someone that was kind of bullied by a teacher at school for not being, I, I could have taken that and been like, oh, I just stop because it was it was my first book, like. And then uh, I kind of showed it to i showed the, the email to my wife and, and she went and i was really like because it was a really personal attack and i was just kind of like i thought it was good and then she and then my wife was like it is good and she said, said like you know send it to some other trusted people you know and you know tony and tomic have read it and um other people and they was like don't don't see where this is coming from um so I was just like, okay, sod him. I'm just going to do it and just get it out there in the world. And and I did it. And then I kind of went straight from Juniper and took what I learned from all that process. And, you know, people are going to say whatever they want to say. And, you know, a lot of people have said he's probably very jealous because, you know, the book is probably something that he's been wanting to write for a long time because the guy has written books, but they've never been kind of popular or sold particularly well. Um, and they're like, you know, you did it out the gate, you know, first book you've done, Bosch. And then, and then I went straight into that and wrote, you know, Tome, and that got nominated for a Bram Stoker Award. 
that's above my desk and I look at it and I'm just like, yeah, two page email. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And yeah, I, I, I kind of like, sometimes I will listen to like talks and, you know, Megan Lucas, uh, who wrote songbirds and stray dogs. Um, she did like an online class. Um, kind of, it was like some literary thing that was where she lives. And, um, and I kind of went on that and it was all about character development and all that kind of stuff. So I'll kind of do those things, but I won't kind of, yeah, I'm not one for signing up for a 12 week course on how to write a story or whatever. I'll just write the story and then deal with, deal with it afterwards. <laughs> That's what editors are for. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny hearing you, your answer. It made me think of musicians who aren't, uh, who don't read like sheet music, but they know how to play. So they can they can play and they know what sounds right by their ears, but they can't write or read music. So it's yeah, kind yeah. of reminding as you were talking. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, someone like 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 Kurt Cobain couldn't write music, but he knew how to play. He knew what sounded good. So yeah, so that's that. Yeah, it's kind of like me. I'm a Kurt Cobain. Yeah, and uh, something I've been I've been curious about, and I hear. Bram Stoker nominated. What what is that process? Are you nominated for? So, is that a committee that chooses who is in the list, or or how does that work? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, the Horror Writers Association um, they kind of run the Bram Stoker Awards, and as far as I'm aware, because I, I don't know that much at all, really. But um, uh, so from like now, from from January until kind of like December time um members of the horror writer association so you have to be a member and that's it's um kind of you know like your peers so horror writers or reviewers and people like that that have kind of hit this threshold that allows them to kind of become a member um will then <clears throat> nominate books that go onto a recommended reading list um and kind of it the list gets bigger as the year goes on and then um and then it kind of like cuts off at, I think it's December or January. Like that's, there's a the cutoff date for books that are published that that period. Um, and then there are juries that uh, will read kind of like the novel selections or the short story selections or the anthologies and you know um, debut novels and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then that from the amount of votes that have happened on the kind of reading list. So you know say Tony's book is, is nominated for the recommended reading list. If a couple of people nominate that book, it will stand it in better stead to move on to mm -hmm. the next phase. If you know, the jurors and all that come together and all the votes and all. and then it's like a kind of almost like a knockout, not competition, but uh, every, so they'll, they'll come up with a list that might have, I don't know, 20 books in each category, if there were that many, and then the rest are kind of, okay, they were in there, but now they've, fallen off and then it'll kind of gradually progress and then it'll be like okay so these are the books now that are on the recommended reading list and there'll be like 10 for each category and then the kind of horror writers association and voting members can see those books go away and try and read them or get them and then there's a voting session that happens next and then you get to vote on certain books in each category to move through to the next round and then it keeps going down to the final um five i think it was um so yeah so time made it to the final five uh, for debut book um 
and that's pretty mental and i still have to pinch myself about it because that was yeah in 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 horror and this is probably one of the biggest awards in horror you can get if not the biggest um and it was kind of yeah uh fifth best debut horror book in the world which is pretty mental <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm just thinking about it again now like that is mad um from this little guy who lives in bristol and only started writing during the pandemic it's mental um but yeah i wouldn't change it for the world but it is yeah it's it's an amazing honor to just be nominated and you know that's that can stay with you forever so if you yeah. if you don't win one you can always just be a nominated bram stoker author um i would have loved to have won but i didn't but um i'm i'm very very happy with a with a nomination and you know here's to some more hopefully so we'll see what happens yeah, definitely. Top five is really good. I mean, yeah. to go through that whole process, and it's your peers. It's not you know, a committee or, you know, it's, it must be more because it's from your peers. Yeah, it's amazing. And and I also, like, it's quite strange because I, I rarely know anybody. So people would have got out to have gone out of their way to read my book. It's not like I've been published for years and have this big fan base and people are like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's done this and he's done that, It's which is quite it's just yeah very humbling indeed like um <coughs> yeah so yeah i can't really, you know it's mental and i get all gushy when i talk about it so sorry <laughs> no, it's good it's good it's something to be really proud of and we are in october so it is that time of year that people are watching scary movies and reading horror books and things like that so what are you, some of your favorite horror movies uh, favorite horror movies um <clears throat> I don't know if you can classify it as a horror movie, um, but Requiem for a Dream, um, the book by Hubert Selby Jr., um, I would say is a horror because um, it is pretty graphic. And the film is absolutely brilliant. Um, I would say, and again, this is like what people do to one another, um, but The Devil All the Time, I really enjoyed that film, uh, the adaptation from um, Donald Ray Pollock's book. Um, Midnight Mass, I like that. Um, and then we're looking like proper, like what I grew up with. Uh, so we're talking like The Thing, like that is just genius. Um, Jaws, love Jaws. People might not think it's a horror film. It is, but it's more of a buddy film, but I love it. Um, then you've got, I don't know, yeah, Aliens, Alien, Predator. I'm not a big vampire person. Brad, if you're still watching, I apologize. Um, but I did like Let the Right One In, like the proper, um, is it Scandinavian? I can't remember. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also like, is it Cronus as well? Cronus? Oh, I can't remember now. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Cronenberg? No, it was a film uh, by Guillermo del Toro. Um, oh, um, Kronos, I think it was. Called. I can't remember. Hang on. Um, was it? Did he do Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah. Um, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna probably write it in the chat before I find it. Um, where's it going? 
Was it uh, Shape of Water? No, that was rubbish. Oh, I didn't really like it. I, d I didn't like that one. Um, I can't find it anyway. I think I thought it was him, but it's not on his IMDb, so I don't know what it's mm. called. Um, and yeah, I kind of just love like slasher films. Like I, I enjoy them. Um, I'm more of a Michael Myers person uh, than the kind of like you know Freddy, Jason, all that. Um, I, I'm I'm not too keen on the new ones. Like I think they've been a bit rubbish. Um, but I loved all the kind of you know one, two, four, five, all that lot, six. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. What about you? What are your, some of your favourites? Um, well, it's funny you mentioned it because I, I was trying to make a list of my favorite horror movies for October, and uh, my list was more um, like the the slower burn type of movies. It was a movie called um, I just was looking at it on Netflix. It's called. Um, I'm find it. It comes at night. It was kind of a. There wasn't. There, it was more of a build up. There wasn't much of a. You know, there's not a monster really. There's. It's a lot of build up on what people do to each other when they're in the, these really horrible situations. Hmm. So that, those are the kind of movies that I enjoy is those uh, slower burns or uh, yeah. Martyr, the French version of martyrs is on my list. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what was the other? Uh, like I used to really love like, um, uh, like the Japanese kind of horror. Um, so like audition I loved. Um <clears throat> uh the original ring um and then i lo also loved uh, what was it called um dark water but the kind of japanese version not the um i can't remember who was in it now the american one they did that was rubbish um and then uh what else is it yeah like i i love as i said like before like religious horror is is what i i love and i i loved the exorcist um no, it's not aged very well. Um, <laughs> it, you know, and I read the book recently as well, and, and that was the first time for me. And there are so many bits in the book that got missed out of the film hmm. that would have just chilled your bones. Um, and there's, and they don't, they didn't really use the detective in it. I think it's called Kinderman or something like that in the book. And um, he was kind of just given a couple of lines in the film, but yeah, that love that uh and i think it's exorcist 3 there is amazing jump scare in that that gets me every time i watch it um and i know it's coming i know it's coming but gets me every time um the amateurville horror at least like that one that was good um and the ryan reynolds one i like that one as well um but i also love like some of the old stuff you know like frankenstein and uh, james wales frankenstein and kind of um psycho like i did start studied film and like you know psycho was blew my mind when i watched it um yeah and then you've got uh what's it called uh night of the hunter that was brilliant hmm. um yeah i just love it i love it all i just wish i could watch it all and it could all keep being like that um <laughs> cape fear as well like again that's not like monster monsters but what people can do and um that's my kind of bag really and i also loved um talking about psycho uh the bates motel tv show i don't know if you've seen it but yeah it was really good yeah i loved that as well 
and again it's just that kind of people and then you've got american psycho like again people just doing despicable things um but yeah i i love it and then and reading wise i'm um i'm currently reading uh rita hayworth and shawshank redemption mm. um which i'm i'm also reading i'm reading um it's called different seasons is what i'm reading but i had that as, as a singular book so i was going to read that first um and then i've kind of normally i have a plan steve i normally have a plan and i, I haven't got a plan this month because i'm writing i tend not to read anything that is in my wheelhouse when i'm in the process of writing because i'm kind of like i don't want to be influenced by particular things you know it could take my story a different direction or i could start writing stuff that i've just read and i don't want that obviously plagiarism whatever um <clears throat> not whatever because it's quite serious but um <clears throat> but i don't want to kind of like be influenced by something i'm reading so i'm reading um yeah different seasons because i think it, the the stories are quite different from what i'm currently writing um and then i'm thinking of oh, i'm going to reread um knock em stiff by donald ray pollock hmm. um and i might read um edward lawn uh, the sound of broken ribs um and i might also read bram stoker's dracula because i haven't read it yet brad you'd be happy i'm reading a, a vampire book um but i also got sent a like a beautiful copy from folio society so they're like i'll show you hang on it's like a little lovely slipper case oh wow look at that that's a nice hardcover yeah i'm not really allowed to show anyone another exclusive <laughs> <laughs> um uh, I did also just finish, which kind of dragged into October. So I'd say it's a October read. Uh, Josh Malaman's Ghoul and the Cape, hmm. which is a 700 page beast, um, but absolutely amazing. Like it's got, it traverses genre at ease. And it's 700 pages. And I thought, like, big books daunt me slightly because I'm like, is it going to keep going all the way through? Or is it going to have like boring bits? Absolutely enthralled all the way through. It's you know, it's horror, it's trip, it's romance, it's kind of everything you want hmm. is in this book. And it's yeah, I would say it's like his version of the stand, if you know what I mean. Like it's it's epic, it's kind of opera operatic, it's very, very cool. And oh, he's a good guy, so check that out if it comes out. Um, adding, a adding a bunch of books to my list. We are reading uh, Dracula this month and having a, a meetup on it. If you, I'm not sure. I'll have to check the time, but of course you're invited. It's going to be on uh, the 30th of October. So okay. if you manage well, if to I, finish it. If I get to it, I will give you a shout. Nice. Uh, and David Butcher had a question. You don't read fantasy novels. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Not a single episode. Um, well, I tell a lie. Tell her, like, I watched one episode and me and my wife sat down to watch it. And this was kind of years after it had come out. And we were like, we were bored, we'd watched everything, you know, Breaking Bad, all that, and like, catching up on stuff that we'd never seen and people had gone crazy about. Because 
it's a little bit like books for me. Like if there's a lot of hype around a book, I tend not to read it straight away because I'm like, it's not going to live up to the hype. So I'm just going to, I'll buy it and I'll leave it on the side and then I'll get to it when I get to it because a lot of people hype stuff up so much that you get it and you're like, oh, this is the best Stephen King book that's been out ever. And then you get it and you read it and you're like, I oh, still can't do the ending. Right. Um, but like, it's, and it's, that's the kind of stuff, but you know, I also saying that I loved Billy Summers and a lot of people didn't like that. Um, but yeah, so I kind of like, yeah, I don't watch stuff when it's out. The only thing, Midnight Mass is probably the only thing I'd watch, but I watched that by myself because my wife wouldn't like watching it because she doesn't really do the horror stuff. And um, mm. I kind of, so I watched that like first off and I was like, okay, that's quite cool. Um, but yeah, Game of Thrones, we sat down to watch one episode and we put it on and both of us were just like, what is, what is this? Like some, they're brother and sister and they're having sex and we're seeing it all like what is this crazy stuff oh they just pushed a boy out a window he just died and all that kind of, I'm, I'm pretty sure those spoilers are all right now because everyone's seen yeah, it the first episode, um, yeah I, i'm probably the only one that's never seen an ep like any other episode but um but yeah it just wasn't for me and you know it was quite a long series and there's a lot to watch and i ain't got time um yeah, there's a lot out there did you you said you watched breaking bad did you watch better call saw no, I, I think again we started watching that, and then I was just like, mm, "Is it gonna?" And then we kind of watched something else. I can't remember, but <laughs> I did watch. Um, uh, what was the? It, they did a return to it, but with um. Oh, uh, El Camino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I thought that was pretty cool. That was a nice honouring of what the show was and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, again, like I loved Breaking Bad. Um, I again, I hadn't watched it, for, and uh, I. I broke my, well, my spine collapsed in my neck mm. <clears throat> about seven years ago. So I had to have like all rods put in it and stuff. And, um, and I was in one of those kind of neck braces for absolutely ages. Oh no. And cause I couldn't work. I just sat at home and I just, what I just binge watched the whole of breaking bad and probably about four days. I don't know. <laughs> it was just on constantly. I was just like, yeah, next, next, next. Um, and it just, it just reminds me of that time of just sitting there and just enjoying it. But, um, I loved it. I thought it was, it was amazing writing um, and how they kind of developed the characters as it went on and how kind of water turned into this like beast of a man um, was, yeah, absolutely genius. And there's that bit with, I was some Jesse, is that his name? The, the younger guy? Yeah. The thing that happens with his girlfriend, like, and, and Walt is there. I'm just like, Oh my goodness. I shed a tear. I shed a tear on that episode. So good. Yeah, that writer's room must be a lot of fun to be in. And this is it's the same writers for Better Call Saul, but it is more character driven, Better Call Saul is, okay. but it's so good. I might give it a go because we're still trying to decide what to watch next. So yeah. We might might go back to that. Ex excellent acting in that too. Uh, about martyrs, I love the movies that have an ending that keeps you guessing about things the movie only hints at ever since I saw the time machine. Which three books did the time traveler take with him? In the time machine, mm -hmm. right, Bible. I have no idea. I don't think it's in the time machine, but at the end of Martyrs, it, it does keep you guessing about what the hell just happened. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know either of these. I'm, I'm gonna need to check out. Oh, if time machine, that's HG Wells, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. I've even read the book. I don't know. 
the book and the film are probably completely different. Um, but come back to us, Andreas, because I want to know what books, what free books they are. So, yeah, if you have a guess. <laughs> but yeah, Mar the end of Martyrs is, yeah, it's pretty intense. It's, oh, the uh, entity. It's to watch. The, the entity. entity. What a film. That that film. Have you seen that film? I haven't. Oh, it's good. It, it deals with bit of bit of rape by a ghost but it's the uh, kind of in-screen special effects are mind-blowingly good like hmm. brilliant uh and david butcher says cape fear was bloody chilling yeah i've also forgot poltergeist that was a good one. Oh yeah that's a good one too uh i did see the have you seen the dark and the wicked no it's a, about a year or two old. Uh, it was pretty good. And Possessor is also pretty good. Uh, and Sap says, my Halloween watch is celebrity ghost stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Northwest Reader, Breaking Bad was so intense. Yeah. And uh, David says, Jesse became the star. What an actor. Yeah, he did great. It's yeah. just all around. Everyone did really great in that series. Mm. With, with that writing, it's... Uh, I'm glad they they had people capable of pulling it off because you want that to be. Yeah, I think everybody everybody they brought into it was great. Even the, I can't remember their names now, but you know, his brother-in-law, the police officer, and mm -hmm. like uh, his wife, and um, kind of all the different gangs that came into it, and all the people, and every single person that came into the show. Like sometimes you watch a show and you're like, that person can't act. How did they get that role? But like Breaking Bad, it was every, everybody was good. <laughs> Excuse me. And and if you've, I'm not sure if you've looked into the different the clothing they'd used as the series went on. They started with lighter clothing, and then the, as the characters progressed, their their clothing changed colors. It's pretty interesting. There's a a few videos yeah. on YouTube about it. It's I never noticed it until I saw that. So, but yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. A lot of a uh, lot of thought put into it that I didn't realize. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Alien and Aliens. Yeah. Did you? Are you caught up on the on the uh, on the series with Covenant? Uh, <coughs> Tony, bless him, uh, absolutely loves the series. So I've enjoyed the last few films. Absolutely rubbing it in his face that they're not any good. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's been telling me about this series, and I'm because I, I I like the I like the the series. I like one, two, and three. Like. And, you know, a lot of people don't like three. It's directed by David Fincher, who, in my opinion, is just one of the best directors out there. Um, story's a bit sus, but, you know, there was a lot of issues going on when the making of that. And, uh, yeah, Tony's been telling me kind of about the series and how it's going to go forward. And I don't know, like, sometimes you just need to let a beaten dog die. <laughs> and... Uh, like the way, you know, I can't even remember Alien Resurrection or whatever and all that kind of stuff. Oh, like Covenant and I don't know. It just seems that I want I watch an alien film because I want to see an alien. Like I don't want all this kind of you know experimented on alien that turns into this hybrid dog type creature. That's I just want like give me an alien with a the mouth thing and acid for blood. And Marines trying to fight it, and I'll be there. And, fa and face huggers, face huggers, they're good. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. I will watch it, but I don't know. Ah, sorry. Intrusive thought. Um, Have you seen the Apple TV series C? C. S-E-A? S-E-E. No, I haven't. Oh, it is, in my opinion, it is the best thing on television at the moment. Um, Is it Jason Maola? Um, it is the best thing I've seen in absolutely ages. Like world building, story, premise, acting, special effects, fight scenes, all that kind of stuff. If you haven't watched it, people, you need to. Um, and it's about kind of this future. I don't know how many years down the line, but basically, people have lost the ability to see everybody. Uh, and it's kind of how they kind of come back from that. And, um, you know, a, a child is born. It's not a spoiler. It's in a trailer and everything. But a child is born into this world of blindness that can see. Or two children are. And then um, it's kind of the, the quest on how to protect them and all that. It's kind of like it's got the epic scope of kind of Lord of the Rings. And like with its kind of grandeur of scenery and all that kind of stuff. And it reminded me of kind of like the films like Willow and hmm. kind of all of those kind of old classics um but it's yeah the, the core of it is the story and the story is just mesmerizing like you need to check that one out um it's, there's two series out at the moment i think um first series was brilliant second series is is, is equally as good and it's got um uh, dave batista is in it as well now hmm. um and I, it's kind of currently being re- that second series is being released as every week there's a new episode but it's, it's almost done now um but yeah highly recommended that's very very good it looks very fantasy though i'm, I'm surprised yeah well <clears throat> it's not got any dragons in it and uh <laughs> it's not got any kind of um wizards and shields and you know um and the the, the kind of fight scenes and the and the violence is like some of it is like I've, nothing i've ever seen before it is that mm-hmm. crazy good um, but again, it's you've got that violence, but then you've got the story behind it, and that kind of grounds it in the kind of okay, that is brutal, but I know why you did that. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, it does look fantasy, but believe me, it's not. <laughs> Have you tried reading? Uh, well, first, let me read David's uh comment. He says, uh, the entity is based on a true story, apparently. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that as well. And uh, Skylar, uh, I forget her name in Breaking Bad, but she was also very good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she, I think she won some awards, if I remember right. Yeah. But have you have you tried reading Grimdark? It's like kind of like a mix between horror and fantasy. No. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's a it's a kind of a subgenre, but there's some books that you may you may enjoy if you like the. Uh, I'm trying to think of something to recommend to you just to at least look into it. There's a book called beyond redemption by Michael R. Fletcher. That is okay. very dark and just off the walls. Crazy. So if does you want to have wizards, does it have wizards in it, no wizards. Uh, it, the story <laughs> is, uh, the story is, uh, that in this world, uh, insane people, their delusions become reality. Ooh, so they almost little. become like gods there and they, but it's they can only become so powerful until they if they become a certain reach a certain level of power then they kind of collapse on themselves kind of like a like a star that collapses on itself. Yeah. So there, there's limits book? beyond redemption. 
Beyond Redemption. Yeah, that sounds quite nice. It is. Uh, it is very dark. <laughs> it is uh, bleak and dark, and none of the characters, as the title suggests, <laughs> they're all irredeemable and terrible people. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great book. So if if you're looking for something fantasy, yeah, well, as I said, I'm I'm always open to reading, and if it's not straight fantasy, so you know. Oh, no. Orcs and goblins and wizards and songs and merriment. Um, I'm sure it'll be fun. I'll give it a look. No wizards. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff goes down though. It's it's wild. Okay. It sounds good to me. Yeah. Let me let me know if you check it out. I, mean, I will. Yeah. Really good stuff. Cool. Well, I want to thank you again for for coming by. It's been a blast, and just time flies. We just yeah. Start, start yeah. I mean, start uh, talking about stuff. Uh, not a problem. And, yeah, thank you for having me on. And you know, if I do get to Dracula, I'll give you give you a nod, and then see what happens from there. Yeah, let me know. I think uh, let me check really quick what day that is. Um, but I think it's on the thirtieth. Let me just check the time. We have a, a calendar that we keep all of our shenanigans on. Let me just check really fast. It's um, it's at twelve. It's twelve my. So it's at the same time we met up today. Oh, okay. Your time. I forget what your time. I think it's seven your time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the same time that we're on the on October thirtieth. So if you happen to to read it, let us know. Okay, perfect. I will do. Um oh, Michael R. Fletcher. Okay. Sorry, I'm reading the comments down there. Oh, the yeah. Let me see. Uh Michael R. Fletcher, it was the first one I thought of too, yeah. It is very uh, there's fantasy with a uh, a twist. So there's not a there's no dragons and elves and that kind of thing. It's not traditional fantasy at all. It's off the wall crazy. the The magic system is um, just. I wish I was as creative. Just the whole <laughs> there's this whole system that's built around these people and their delusions and there's these different classes of people. And they speak German because it's it's crazy. So, well, okay, it's just off the wall crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look it up. I, I will keep you posted. Because... Yeah, let me know. I, I think it might even be on Kindle Unlimited. Okay, definitely look. So if you have that, uh, yeah, it is on Kindle. Uh, is it... No, it's not on Kindle Unlimited, but it is on uh, Amazon. So you build me up, and then you knock me down. I know. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, but it's worth it. It's it's a great uh, it's a great book. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm gonna check. I'll I'll check out C. I think that sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, and you know, kind of, it's just epic in in scope, and it it's got yeah, it has got like these weird. Kind of weird vibes of like Willow and um, what's that? Uh, what was that film with Tim Murray who played the devil in it with the unicorn? Oh, um, Legend. Legend. With, it's got kind of uh, like Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's got those kind of vibes to it, and like you know, uh, the old school Beastmaster. I don't know if you've seen that. I used to watch it all the time. Uh, think i did way it back horrific. and i don't know how my parents let me watch it but yeah the, but it's got that kind of old school like quest feel to it that is just like yeah 
I thought it was amazing. I think it's amazing. Like I'm halfway through the second series and it's still for me is the best thing I've seen in ages. Um, but it's not horror. Like it's just straightforward character driven adventure questy type thing. And, um, and yeah, like the cinematography is beautiful. Um, and uh, I know, sorry, I know you, you want, you said we're going to wrap out, but Handmaid's Tale as well. Um, I love the book and and the series I thought was, was really, really well done as well. Cinematography wise. Like I think that is one of the most beautiful TV shows I've ever, ever watched um, just in how it's all kind of filmed and framed and like the scenes with their kind of white hats and red dresses and, how that's all done, I thought was was phenomenal. Um, I've still got to, I've got to read the sequel because I've got it, but there was a bit too much hype with that one, <laughs> so I just <laughs> left it on the side. Um, but I have are, got are it. You, are you caught up on the Handmaid's Tale, the TV show? Uh, I'm on the kind of third season. I, oh, I've right. got a bit more to watch, but I, I've I've seen some like probably like five of the third season. Um, again, it's one of those like because it got a bit depressing at one point. So I was kind of like watching it and I was just like, oh dear. <laughs> so I kind of, I put it, put it aside for a bit and then I haven't gone back to it yet, but I, I will do. Um, but yeah, it, it got a bit of a, and I was like, oh, okay. Cause it's not it, like the book is completely different. Like the book is almost like some of the first part, first series. And then it's kind of over and done with. And then it's all this kind of additional stuff is just, yeah, it's gone in a, in an avenue I didn't expect, but yeah, I, I will get back to it. I really enjoyed the first couple seasons, and then it kind of got kind of lost its way a little bit. Yeah, and I, I'm, I, I'm finding that in the third series, it's kind of they got to a point where it could have been quite quite a nice, like, oh yeah, that's the limited two series, bosh. Yeah. But then they kind of like let's do another one, and it's kind of like we don't know really where we're going. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like kind of see, it feels like lost, you know, when lost kept going and going and going. Yeah, so yeah. It's, Let's wrap it up. Uh, David says, did you know that James Cameron didn't think the Doc Loader scene was going to be well-received? He was going to cut it. Test, uh, test showing audiences loved it. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best bits. <clears throat> oh, yeah. With the Ripley and the uh, the Doc, yeah, the Doc Loader. And that yellow kind of machine thing. And what, yeah. one of the most iconic lines is in that bit as well. Uh, yeah. And the only thing I didn't like about that is that it's, it's the, the same... The same way they got rid of the alien in the first one, they did it again in the second one. Yeah, of, yeah, through the kind of airlock type thing. Yeah, kind of a little, little too easy. Uh, yeah. Brian's probably here. Sport, probably sport that for anyone who uh, hasn't seen <laughs> Alien or Aliens. It's a, it's a 30 year old is. movie. So. Hello, Brian. Hey, Brian. We've, been, we've been talking about you all day long. <laughs> he says, I'm at work right now, so I'll have to catch this later. But I wanted to let Andres know that the movie adaptation of Ketchum's The Girl Next Door is pretty damned good. Uh, okay, I might have to watch that spooky season. Watch it. Yeah, I'm about to look that up here too, because I thought I was thinking the mid or the early 2000s movie that um, uh, I forget the name of the movie or the name of the actress that was in it. I know who you mean, um, yeah. and I know what film you mean as well. Uh, I can't remember. There, are, yeah, there are two girl next door movies. I, yeah, I was had in my mind on the other one. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're was, probably uh, very different. <laughs> Yeah, they are probably very different. <laughs> but this one's in uh, 2007, and it is uh, it is not the other movie I was thinking of. So, yeah. 
I think that was a, a true story, right? Yeah, it was a true story. Um, oh, that's terrible. I think, I think as well, like the, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like I was saying, like there are a lot of people that didn't finish the book. And most of those that I've kind of seen, like, not, not most of them, like quite a few, have all been, I didn't realize this book was about this particular um, true life incident. And as soon as I found out it was, I stopped reading it because I don't want to glorify, you know, buying this book. Is that glorifying me, like, you know, taking my money and giving it to, um, but like, it, you know, Ketchum doesn't say that in the book. It doesn't say like details of change and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of the kind of seed of the story is from the kind of real life stuff that happened. Um, but yeah, I'm probably going to watch that film because I haven't seen it, and I'd like to see if the adaptation is as good as the book. Yeah, like that's uh, yeah, that's heavy. It looks like another heavy, uh, heavy. Just looking on the IMDb page, it looks uh, like a heavy one. Um, um, I've I've a question for you. Um, yeah. Um, what would you say are a couple of the best film uh, book to film adaptations that you have seen? Oh wow. Come with the hard hitting questions, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I think it might be an easy answer, but I think the uh, one of the best adaptations, and it's not, I, I don't ever think a movie is as good as the book. It just, yeah. you can't, because the, what you have in your mind reading a book is never going to be as good as someone else when they make a movie. You know, they can create a movie, and there's always going to be things that are missing. And there's certain, yeah. it's, it's the format of storytelling, but. I would say probably Jurassic Park. I think that's probably an easy answer, but it, it yeah, that's pretty I mean, good. That movie still holds up now. That's yeah. I tried watching it the other or a couple of weeks ago with my youngest, and uh, I forgot how boring the opening bit is. Like before, there's any dinosaurs. I forgot how boring, and like it, we got like not boring to me, like but like just getting to the island and all that kind of stuff. And like you know, I think twenty minutes in, she was already got had enough. I was just like, no, just wait, just wait until we see the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are coming, um, I promise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, Andres says, uh, yes, it is. Hi, Brian, but I haven't read the book yet, so I'm curious. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, Seth says, does Halloween and nostalgia go hand in hand for y'all? It's a good question. Pretty much. Yeah, I think <clears throat> being in the UK. Like we, what well, I say, we like me as a, and my my parents never never used to celebrate Halloween at all. Like it wasn't a, a thing that we used to do. Um, and you know, like, I remember times where my parents would turn the lights off in the lounge, and then we would go into the back room, so no one would know we were at home, so we didn't get any trick or treaters knocking on the door. Um, which sounds mental. Like I'm, I'm assuming all you american guys are just like what um but it also wasn't a thing like um we never went out trick-or-treating like it, and i think over the years it has gradually kind of caught up to american standards of you know kids meet up get all dressed up and go out and do all that kind of stuff and you know for one i i, I think it's quite cool i you know would kind of love to do some of that kind of creepy stuff um but yeah, it's, it's just different in the UK, but, um, and you know, I've got kids of my own now. We, we don't go out trick-or-treating. Um, 
we don't do any of that kind of stuff. And, you know, some of that is kind of religious kind of stuff. And, you know, we don't believe in kind of that kind of stuff. So we don't do it. I, you know, I write stuff like that, but we don't kind of celebrate that as a, as a thing. Um, but, you know, October comes around, Halloween comes around and I'm like, oh, I could do with some creepy stuff. Um, so, you know, like Midnight Mass was, was straight on there. October, I was just like, yeah, let's get this in. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's odd, you know, I don't, I don't do some stuff like, you know, I don't celebrate Halloween, but I write about crazy, crazy horror stuff. Um, and, and yeah, it's, I don't know. It's strange. Like when I look at you guys in the States and see how crazy, like I saw Stephen Graham Jones, like he put a picture, I don't know if it was last Halloween or this Halloween that's coming, but like he had like these 20 foot skeletons on his ground on his like front garden and all this other kind of i'm like just to see it would be amazing but like you guys like live it i'm like oh that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's a it can be well it's it's uh gotten a lot quieter now with the pandemic because no one was out yeah so, yeah but it's but i think a lot of the because i didn't watch horror movies when i was a kid because my you know, my parents were like, you can't watch that stuff. And that's, you know, so as I watched movies that everyone loved during that time, it's, they kind of comes off as cheesy for me. So, hmm. um, and it says, I've only read Ketchum's, uh, I've only read Ketchum's red yet. The one with the dog. Hmm. If you're a dog lover, that's a bad one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, reading and whatnot is here. You don't believe in that kind of stuff, but yet you write it. Why? Uh, easy question. Easy answer. Um, I love to be scared. Um, I don't know anybody that doesn't love to be scared. And, you know, even as babies, we scare babies. We play peekaboo and we go boo. It is ingrained in us from the very beginning that being scared is sometimes fun and sometimes scary. And, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't believe in a lot of stuff, but I still write about it. Um, I love, I love the feeling of being scared. I love the kind of doing the creepy stuff. And, you know, I don't believe in kind of ghosts. I don't, don't believe in ghosts at all. I believe in kind of um, like demons and, and things like that. But I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe that when you die, your ghost kind of walks around and stuff. I've never seen one. I think. You know, and I'm not saying that if you've seen one that you're wrong. I'm just saying I've never seen one. So to be perfectly honest, how many people lived on this planet and I've and died and I've never seen one ghost? Like, come on, people. I used to live in London, like where they had the plague and the fire and the great fire of London, and that place must be covered in ghosts. Never seen one. Um but yeah, I, I just love to be scared and I love making people scared. I love the kind of feeling of it. Um and yeah, and you know, yeah, I don't believe in that stuff, but I still write. You know, I believe I believe completely in the spiritual realm and kind of all that kind of hell and the devil and kind of evil spirits and possession and all that kind of stuff. I believe in all of that, but the Halloween thing that it is, I don't kind of buy into. But that's just me. But yeah, I think I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying people are wrong who buy into it. It's just that it's completely different culture to what I grew up with. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest thing is just a different uh different culture, but 
Oh, and David is Ruben J. Okay, yeah, I I keep uh, I keep looking. Yeah, so Ruben is an author. <laughs> I'm going to be chatting with him here in a few weeks. So, um, and the rest says I keep. I heard good things about John Huber's books that are le leaning towards violent and brutal. Catch a mask. We'll see. Catch a mask. Hmm. John Huber. I have to look that up. Uh, Sap says the Home Depot <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> If you if you haven't seen Stephen Graham Jones' skeleton, like try and find it on his Twitter feed or whatever. It is absolutely massive. Have to look Huge. That up. Yeah. And uh, we do scare babies. Yeah. <laughs> we scare them and they scare us quite a bit as well as, as a parent. They are scary. Now, you may have seen one, you just don't know it. Possibly. Possibly. We may have entertained angels and not known it. Who knows? And I'm guessing you've seen the exorcism of, uh, exorcism of Emily Rose. You've seen that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I've, I've watched kind of like um, all of those that kind of came out of that. Around that time, there's quite a few possession things that came out. I even watched, um, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the Exorcist TV show. Um, hmm. I watched the first series of it. And it, it started really well, and kind of how it went was 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 pretty cool. And then it kind of finished, and I thought. But apparently, they released a second series. I've never seen it, but apparently, it came out. But I thought the kind of initial TV show of it was pretty cool. There was another one that I really loved, um, Possession one. Uh, a series or a movie? It was a movie. Um, ah. Oh. It's going to really annoy me because I loved it. Um, was it uh, recent or was it a while back? It was probably in the it was 2000, maybe, something like that. Oh, was it called? Um, oh, I can't even think of it. It was so good. Um, something about voices or... Um, mm. Hang on, let me look it up. Let me see I if know. I can search for uh, Possession movies and see if I can find it. Do you remember who was in it? I don't have a clue. <laughs> it was someone that was unknown, I think. Or to me, they were unknown. But Fallen with Denzel Washington was very good. Hmm. Um, oh, what was it? Uh... Oh, that was it. Uh, Deliver Us from Evil. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that that was that was very good. Like I, I enjoyed that one. Um, Eric Banner, that's it. He's in it. Um, mm. That was that was a very very good one. Um, I'm just looking at these. I've, I've seen all of these. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Exorcist Three was good as well. Um, and they they did a film uh, Exorcist: The Beginning as well, which was kind of like a trying to hopefully get the series get the films going again but that that was quite good that was kind of looking at um like the, it was like a prequel type thing about where the kind of evil came from that what that did the stuff to reagan um hmm. but again like we were saying before like films and stuff now that like they're remaking the exorcist aren't they like that's coming out soon i think oh they're remaking um, it yeah another film uh hmm. But I, 
I don't I don't even know if it's going to be like um Yeah, 2023 is coming up. Oh wow. I didn't know. Um It says a sequel to the 1973 film about a 12-year-old girl who's possessed by a mysterious demonic entity. But it pretty much looks the same kind of well from what i can see it looks the same but i'm just like come on there's so many good books out there that just or indie books or just books that you could turn into films instead of remaking stuff like it just it jars me quite a lot i think a lot yeah. of the a lot of the um the <laughs> like production companies and stuff are they're afraid to take risks now now especially yeah. with the pandemic they're they're trying to do the easy uh money grabs because it's mm. No one's going well. People are starting to go to the theater a little bit more, but I'm not sure about it in, in the UK. But yeah, well, I actually went to the cinema um, uh, last, yeah, a week ago uh, for the first time in, well, since I don't know, 18 months or something like that. Uh, we went and watched Bond because we have a thing that we watch, we've watched all the new Bond films, like me and my wife together in the cinema. And, uh, and yeah, I, I quite liked the new Bond, uh, but I can see why a lot of people don't. I'll just leave it like that. Um, uh, and uh, but, South says, yeah, yeah, yeah South just South touching South on this South. comment here, like yeah, every time people have seen angels in the Bible, they're afraid. Yes, and they always say the angels always say either "Do not be afraid," or they saw the angel and they were they were afraid and. Um, and again, and I'm not saying anything that is trigger, or not trigger, um, spoilery, but Midnight Mass, anyone? Just saying, just putting it out there. <laughs> um, uh, no Country for Old Men was pretty good, yeah. yeah. That was a pretty good adaptation. Yeah, it was Brian's favorite movie adaptation. That's a good answer for that one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ariel is asking, uh, really one not, do you have a favorite horror novel? It's very difficult. I will give you a few because it always changes. Um, the Shining by Stephen King. Um, the Exorcist by William Peter Blatty. That one is one that made me shiver a few times because it was pretty creepy. Um, I absolutely loved... They're three books, but I classify them as one, which is um, the Patience of a Dead Man series by Michael Clark. Mm. That one really, another trope I love is kind of like haunted houses and, and stuff like that. And I don't believe in ghosts, but I love it. Um, and uh, <clears throat> that one had had the chills for me, and, and especially the second book really kind of, oh, the second book was just, oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, trying to think um i really I, yeah i really loved um just have a look now. uh i i really like doctor sleep as well and i don't know whether i've got this kind of obsession about that book because i i read the shining and then i went straight in and read doctor sleep afterwards and they married together so well that I was just like, 
Oh yeah, that is because all the all the bit all the references were fresh in my mind from The Shining, and it just it just it was a massive explosion of King goodness. I loved it, uh, and then after that, I then watched Doctor Sleep, the film, like just back to back King all the way through, and I was just like, this film is one of the best films I've seen. Like it, it was so I, I really enjoyed the film, and you know I'm probably. I don't know. I probably had a massive king on for it at the time. And I was just like, this is like brilliant. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but also like the books, I, I, I kind of, um, what was that? sorry, I can't really see my books over. Um, oh, I, I loved uh, Cormac McCarthy's, um, uh the, the road or uh no um that was brilliant as well uh hang on uh, child of god, I call that god. um that was pretty pretty disturbing um <laughs> and uh there's so many like um even even newer ones that are kind of for me, are up there now is, is, is stuff like Crossroads by Laurel Hightower. Um, that one gutted me as a yeah. as a as a father. I was just like, oh, um, at Josh Malaman, um, like I only really discovered Josh Malaman kind of like last two years. Like I had seen Bird Box out for absolutely like, the film. I'd seen that out for absolutely ages. Had no idea it was a book. Um, and then kind of it was on Netflix and it's kept on coming up. Like Netflix loved it and it just kept on coming up. Kept on coming up and I was just like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. <laughs> and as soon as I finished watching it, I was like, right, I'm buying that book. And then from then on, I, I read it and then just I've devoured kind of everything else that he's written. Um, mm. Like Chad Lutsky, like amazing writer. Um, and I've learned again, like we were saying, like, have you learned anything? Like, how do you, how do you teach yourself? And, read Chad Lutsky, man, like the man is genius. Um, and like, yeah, stirring the sheets was brilliant. A foster uh, of home of flies. And I can't remember, I forgot it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, I'm a bit like, I've had a lot of paracetamol today for my phone. Um, there we go. I'll just bring the books over. It's easier. Um, out behind the barn, um, John Bowden, Chad Lutsky. That mm. one uh, made me cry. Um, that's it. Of foster homes and flies. You know, I was, I was almost there. Um, brilliant idea for a story. You'd never think about it, and he just wrote it within an inch of his life. It's so good. Um, and yeah, there's just so many. Like I just Alan Baxter and the Gulp uh that short story collection absolutely loved it um tracy fahey um uh what did she do uh the unheimlich maneuver and uh i spit myself out like two amazing collections um and you got like Gemma Amore, um who did kind of uh, dear laura and cruel works of nature and all these other kind of stuff like and steve stred Man, Steve Stred writes so many books, and they're all banging. <laughs> um, 
I'm gonna have have a bunch of uh, books and movies and TV shows to watch now. Yeah, and then you've got like um, uh, like Mitch Seaborn. Like I first discovered him on like Well Read Beard reviewed one of his books, and it was kind of like um, I think it's called Flying Saucers. I didn't read that one, but I reached out to him. And I was like, "Oh, do you?" I said, "I don't know if this is alien stuff or whatever." But I said, "Do you write any horror?" And he was like, oh, "I've got a couple." And one of them was um, called Folklore, which was brilliant. Uh, and then he said, and, the, and then after I bought that one and read it, he'd just released another book called Dust and Time, which kind of links roughly into it. There's a cute, like, there's a little Easter egg stuff. Um, but I read both of those, and they're, they're brilliant as well. And, um, you know, Daniel Barnett, like, started that series, like, recently, and I'm just like... Well, this is crazy good, and he writes so well as well. And it's just, but yes, sorry, it's a long-winded answer. I love all horror books mainly, um, but yeah, my favourites are yeah, I'd say The Shining, The Exorcist, um, and yeah, Patience of a Dead Man as a complete book. Um, That's high praise, yeah. That's... But yeah, I'd, I'd say they were they were kind of, and and you know. Oh, it's so difficult. Like, it put me on the spot. Like, um, I don't want to leave anybody out, but like Bird Box as well. That one is is right up there because it's like what we were talking about before, um, Steve. Like the stuff that you don't see, mm-hmm. like the horror that is there, but it's left to the reader to discover. Like Bird Box was just genius. Like you never ever know what it is that they see or don't sit in the book anyway um but you never know what it is and, and it's just an assault on the senses um and there is one bit in the book and i when i was i interviewed josh on my channel and i was kind of talking to him about it and me and kev harrison again kev harrison amazing writer um and i was talking to him about kind of the horror that is in bird box and it is it is a horror book it is a slow burn there are bits in it but again, like the most, di- like I even sometimes like I wake up and think about this scene because have you read Bird Box, Steve? No, I haven't. There, there is a scene in it, and you know, as we were saying, like what the monsters of men and what men do, and and or, or men or women do, and um, there is a scene in it, and I'm going to say it happens in an attic, just so you know if you do read it. That's all I'm going to say, and. It just, it is some of the, uh, yeah, man, that man's twisted. But like when it happened, I was just like, oh, oh my goodness. Like that is, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but he barely used any words to get it across. But I, I, huh. I saw it, I felt it. I kind of, and I was just like, oh, that is good. So yeah, Bird Box is up there as well. But Bird yeah, I'll, Box, stop, okay. I'll stop now. No, that's good. Um, I have a bunch of tabs open here on my other screen to, <laughs> to catch. Uh, and the rest says Ghoster by Jason Arnop is probably oh, a must read. Yeah. I usually don't like exorcism stories. Yeah, he uh, Jason Arnop also wrote. Um, uh, you keep getting me up, Steve. Keep getting me up. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 last box. days of Jack Spark. That's what you the last days of Jack Spark is what um, oh, okay. Arnold wrote, and that that was very good as well. Yes. 
the mass market paperback of Bird Box is only fifty eight dollars on Amazon. How much? Fifty eight eighteen. Why? Yeah, I don't know. The hardcover is forty bucks. So, yeah. I meant to. That's really Kindle expensive. Is Ten bucks. Well, it's not bad. Why? Huh. Madness. Uh, reading and whatnot said if they remade The Shining and made it into made it true to the book, I'd go see it. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, there was a lot of issues around that kind of adaptation to screen. You know, with Kubrick not in not liking King and King not liking Kubrick and but it, they did a they did a, like a TV show didn't they uh, TV series of it I remember having it on DVD mm-hmm. which was a bit TV yeah it was um, it wasn't very good um, oh. I can't remember if it's uh, I forgot her name she was in um, uh, let's see Rebecca De Mornay that's it yeah um, which had some bits that were missed out of the film, hmm. uh, out of the book. Sorry, um, uh, bits in it about the the beehive and all that kind of stuff that he goes up and sorts on the roof. And um, but yeah, it was still quite a poor adaptation. It was a TV, you know, like it didn't look didn't look good. But um, who knows? Like all the Stephen, they're remaking Firestarter. We might get a remake of The Shining. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, why not, right? Uh-huh. This is the ghoster, the one with the last days of Jack Sparks, of course. Slap said, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Saul meets a ghost in the Old Testament via a medium. Yeah. Good for Saul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ariel says, I love haunted houses. Slap says, I really enjoyed The House on the Bottom of the Lake by Mallerman. Mm. Good dread in that. I haven't read that one. Yeah, that's a that's a really short short novella. It's very good. You guys are killing me with all these books <coughs> and stuff to read. Yeah, well, you know, that's what, that's what we do. Read read books. At the bottom of the lake. It's not like it's crack. It's yeah. <laughs> it could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. Thankfully, that paperback is only fifteen bucks, so mm. we're, we're making progress. There we go. Yeah, not too bad. And uh, David Butcher says, I found the road to be disturbing. Yeah, that, that movie was... I, I haven't read the book, but the movie was... I, I haven't seen the film, but the book is... Um, there's a couple of couple, a couple of scenes. There is a scene like that... Invo- I'm going to just say a little bit. It's not a spoiler. There's a there's a scene... And tell Have you seen the film? So, okay? I have, yeah. So, Is there a bit about cannibalism in yeah. the film? Okay. We'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty, pretty, um, uh, pretty disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot of, quite a lot of stuff. But I, I enjoyed the road. I thought it was a very good book. My wife read it. Um, she was working at like a, a Waterstones in the UK when it came out, and so she got like a preview copy and all that. And she absolutely hated it. Um, she just said that nothing happens. So it's just two people, nothing really happens, and then it's over. And I read it, and I was just like, "This is the best, one of the best books I've read." <laughs> it's like, come on. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's yeah, whatever floats it's, your boat, on that really. It's not very long, is it? The book? No, it's pretty short. 
again i got a lovely folio society of that as well yes yeah, yeah. uh under 300 pages so not too bad also fahrenheit um what's it called fahrenheit 451 yeah uh that was brilliant um you know you might class it as horror you might not but i class it as horror horror touch of sci-fi um that was a really good book um had a really good message as well I uh yeah I I think I I think I got that book recently, I lose track I, I have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> These books behind me are just a small small section. I have a whole room. <laughs> so, so are you a, a physical media type of person? Is that what you enjoy? Um, <clears throat> I've I've had to adapt, um, because obviously with reviewing for Storgy, um, and like I, I, I was getting like four, or five books a week. Like wow. would just turn up from very publishers, um, like Bloomsbury, Penguin Random House, Titan, all of that. Like I would get books coming all the time. And initially, I was like, "Yeah, free <laughs> books, man! Like I never have to buy a book again." Um, and then I realized I had to review them um or not like you know if i didn't fancy read like they i can't remember who it is but someone keeps on sending me fantasy books and i'm just like <laughs> it says on my profile i don't read fantasy books and you keep sending them to me so i just keep passing them off to my dad who loves them and uh but yeah like i've it, it kills me when i have to do a book call um because i've only got so much space and you know and the thing about being a writer, and I, I guess it's probably for readers as well, but for a writer, if I'm reading a book and there is a particular line or a phrase that really speaks to me, even if the rest of the book is trash, I have to keep it because of that one passage. And uh, yeah. it got to a head like a while back, and I was just like, oh, I've got too many books. And I was double stacking books on bookshelves and... And I was like, this floor is probably going to fall through to the next in a minute. Um, so I had to get rid of like, it's probably, I took them to like charity shop, like Goodwill. Um, but I, I must have got rid of probably about 100, 130 books. Wow. And it killed me to do it. But like, and I've, I've kind of st stripped it down to either like really, really, like the only, this shelf over here is, kind of like Stephen King, Chuck Polnick, and then like kind of Josh Malaman and special books at the bottom. Like, and they're like, I'm, I'm kind of currently trying to get all hardback Stephen Kings, which is quite annoying. And there's a little story behind this is that my dad used to have every single Stephen King first edition hardback. And uh, for some reason unbeknownst to anybody on the planet um when I, when I was at university decided that they didn't want to have a bookcase anymore mm. so instead of just getting rid of the bookcase they got rid of he got he took all of his Stephen King first editions that were in immaculate condition and gave them to goodwill every single one and I came back and I was like where have we books gone 
Like, and he was like, oh, I just gave him to charity shop. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they should have come to me. Like, they were all, like, every single book. I'm, I'm being serious, Steve. Like, every single Stephen King book that came out, first edition, mint condition, on the shelf. And that, that wasn't just that. It was like, you know, The Exorcist, first edition, mint wow. cover. All of James Herbert's books, mint condition. Really? Oh, I've got a sweet thing. Um, but, yeah, so currently now I'm rebuying. I have all of his books um but so i have them all in paperback various like picked up from charity shop or whatever um but now i'm kind of trying to get all of the hardback editions because i quite like them uh and then i just read the paperback and keep the hardback on the shelf but um but yeah it's it's an obsession like it's just too much like i can't if i read a book you know and it really pains me as well because now being a, a writer, um, which sounds really weird saying, but um, like people send me signed copies of books now that I'll read, and it pains me that I can't keep them all. Um, and I, I'm I'm sorry I'm going to admit this to 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 you, okay. but but if someone has sent me a signed copy of their book and I've had to get rid of it because I don't have physically enough space. And I have read it and I've reviewed it and I've done all that. What I do is that I just scalpel out the, the page that is signed and I keep it and then I send it to Goodwill just so I have a record that I've read that book and I've had it and I've got a signature and it's or autograph and it's all done. Don't hate me. I haven't destroyed the book. I've just neatly you'd never know if you picked it up in the shop and i check him i check him as well to make sure that no one would know that page is missing and i just done so <laughs> so how many how, how many times have you done this what cutting out the page yeah probably about around about 40 times wow <laughs> but it, it's really difficult like I've got so many. I've got. We rent a property, so it's. I don't own this house, so I can't make like a, a library, um, and it's it's not only me. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lover of books, but my wife is a is also a lover of books, and we've just got too many. And I this room is where my stuff is, and I try to keep it as kind of. <laughs> I'm sounding like a nutter now, aren't I? Um, so. <laughs> Got all these like fanning through like these front pages of books um but yeah like i try i try my best to keep as many as i can but sometimes i've just got to get rid of a book and uh i haven't done a big cull since that last one throughout city ages um and it was books that i have read and i didn't you know i didn't either didn't enjoy it um or they were sent to me for review and i never got around to them and I just send them off but um and hopefully they've gone to someone that will enjoy them. It's not like I threw them in the bin or set fire to them. It's true. And you don't tell the authors you do this, right? The authors who you've no. done this with. Yeah, I can't do that. Of course yeah. not. So how many, signed, how many signed copies do you have on your shelves that you haven't, <laughs> haven't given away? <laughs> I haven't chopped off. Um, <clears throat> also, those signed copies might just be like, you know, anyway, I won't get into it. Um, uh, I've got a fair few. I've got a fair few. Um, some of them come to me. Obviously, I get sent them quite a lot. 
uh, from indie authors and stuff like that. Um, I've got a few book plates from people. Um, again, through the work of Storgy, I've got to know some pretty cool writers. Um, so like Donald Ray Pollock, um, we send each other emails from time to time and have a chat. Um, and like he sent me like quite a few, I, I said, you know, any way to get some signed copies because I can't find any of your books anywhere that are signed. And he said, oh, if you send me some like stickers or whatever, I'll sign them all and send them back to you. So I kind of got got like a backlog of stickers now. So every time he releases one, I've got a sticker ready just to be like, yeah, sign copy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I pretty much most of my um, Chuck Polinick collection is all signed. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I'll just, this is one of my favorites. I'll show you. It was a uh, um, limited edition of um, Fight Club. Um, oh, that's nice. And it's all gold inlaid and gold pages. Um, and I, I, I interviewed him for Storgy, and then he kind of like sent a autographed copy through wow that's um, really cool so that's that's pretty cool but yeah most of most of my collection of his is is signed not i'm gone in person i've just bought signed copies um and most of them are hardback but this is like the piece of resistance it's uh very very cool i like the fact it looks like a bible as well or some type of religious book quite cool that is really nice and i have one signed Stephen King book, which I found on eBay for like 20 pounds. I might not even be his, but who knows? Yeah. Got to be in it to win it, aren't you? <laughs> Can't win if you don't uh, take a shot at it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, says, I started buying Stephen King's books in hardcover, the ones I missed. Then I got a bit distracted when someone pointed me to Joyce Carol Oates. She even, she's even more prolific. I've not read anything by Joyce hmm. Carol Oates. I'm uh, looking Carol's. I've also never read any um is it Tabitha, his wife, Tabitha King? Yeah, I haven't read. I haven't read any of hers. Hmm. I've read some Joe Hill. That was quite cool. Yeah, I like Nosferatu. I thought it was good. Mm. Uh let's see. Uh, she's written Night, Sleep, Death, The Stars, Night, Leon, Tales of Mystery and Suspense. There's a lot of, a lot of books here. What uh, what did you recommend starting with, if you uh, don't mind, recommend a, one of the books to us? And uh, David said Bird, <laughs> Bird Box is 319 at World of Books in the UK. Yeah, that's cheap as chips, huh? Yeah. Uh, the Oxford Book of American Short Stories. Yeah, I haven't, uh, haven't heard of her. What uh, Joe Hill book did you read? Uh, I read um, Heart Shaped Box. Hmm. That's what it's called. Um, I've read uh, Full Throttle, um, Strange Weather. Uh, I haven't read. I've uh, read Horns. Um, I haven't read Nosferatu, and I haven't read um, The Fireman. Oh, okay. Or Fireman, whatever you call it. Um, 
but I, I was I'm thinking of reading Nosferatu at Christmas because um, it's Christmas land and um, so I was thinking of reading I, I thought about reading it last year at Christmas but I, it was COVID and I was just like let's just get through this rubbish um, so um, but yeah I'm 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 hoping to to read it at Christmas like over the Christmas period that might be my book I put forward for that month because I'm I'll be writing still and I don't really want to kind of add too much to the to the plate like that um Gaul in the Cape by Josh Malaman like it came from Earthling Publications and I think like the hardback or they they're doing like a limited run of them and it's so expensive and hmm. um well it's not expensive it's just like getting it shipped here would be more than the cost of the actual book which is pretty expensive um so they sent it to me and I was just like, well, you've sent it all this way. And I need, so I focused on that book for, I thought that was going to be the only book I was going to read, but I read it so quickly, like the 700 pages just, just went. Um, wow. and then, uh, yeah. So now I'm kind of like just picking and choosing what I read. And then I quite like the fact that I can just pick and choose at the minute because I said, I'm not open for reviews. Um, so it's quite nice to just, like books I've had on my shelf for ages, like different seasons. I've had that for like years and I haven't even got to it. And it's got short Shrank redemption, like apt pupil, the body, um, oh, yeah. like all, all of these like classics and I've never read it. And it's just sat there for ages. Cause I've been reading like loads of other books and don't get me wrong. Like I love reading indie horror, uh, other books that get sent to me for review. Um, I love blurbing books, like, it's so refreshing to just be like, oh, I don't have, like, I have to read that book. It's just like, oh, I'm going to read that today. Um, it's quite nice. But, yeah, so don't don't get it twisted. Like, I'd love, I'm always a supporter of indie horror. I always will read and review any books that get sent me. Um, but for the next few months, I'm just taking my time. You know, I've, I've noticed something recently, and on social media, I see people promoting a, <clears throat> they have a service that they provide blurbs. Mm. How, how does that work? How do how do blurb? Because I thought blurbs were just quotes from people who read the book. But how how does that work? Um, do, you, do people pay for blurbs? I didn't know that was a thing. If people are paying for blurbs, I wouldn't take those blurbs for the price of toffee, um, because. You shouldn't get you shouldn't be paid to provide a, a blurb you know that's that's mental um normally a blurb is that for, for me for my definition of a blurb is that i approach a writer who is going to give me like a short kind of like tagline almost kind of review of my book that i can use in like promotion or publicity um like uh Like so, like on Juniper, like the, the top that—that's what I would call a, a blurb. Like mm -hmm. Ross Jeffries, Beth, a love child of Stephen King and Cormac McCarthy. Um, and like on Tome, Keenan Patrick Burke, Ross Jeffries' work evokes insidious menace of past masters. Prepare to be scared. Like that's—that's that's what I would call a blurb. Yeah. Um, and 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 yeah, like with with stains, like kind of in in the internal. Um, we didn't put any on the cover because I just liked the plainness of what it was. Yeah. Um, but like all the, uh, I don't think I have any in mine. 
Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. like, so. yeah, the praise for bit. That's kind of all blurbs, but a blurb is from a writer who either you want to get or you know, like Stephen King blurbs hundreds of books. Um I think he blurbed Did he blurb Last House on Needle Street? Yeah, yeah. So like on the back of that, like Stephen mm -hmm. King, true nerve shredder. Um but yeah, so blurbs are that. And if anyone's, well, I'd love to know who's who's charging people for a blurb and who they are. Because yeah. if you joke blogs and no one knows who you are, like why am I paying you however much money to tell people what my book is like when I could be getting a writer to tell people and they'd be like, oh, Chad Lutsky said this or oh, Stephen King said that or you know, Michael Clark said this about this book. Oh, I like Michael Clark. Let me check that out. So yeah. So how do, get, how, how do people get Stephen King to blurb, to blurb their book? How does that happen? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm assuming it's publicists that work mm. for the press that contact them. Um, but I also think quite a lot of writers, I don't know, and I'm not, you know, but I think quite a lot of writers get kind of, you know, you're signed up to, I don't know, Penguin Random House. So we're going to send you particular titles that we think would suit you, and you're going to you're going to blurb that book for us, like almost like a contract type thing. Like we'll send you books that we're going to do, and you blurb it, and then we'll use it if we need to. Uh, so I think it's kind of like that. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I'd love Stephen King to blurb my book. Maybe one day, who knows? We'll see. That'd be great. Uh, she wrote Zombie, and she wrote a collection where she in imitated the, st the style of classic writers like Poe and Henry James and Ernest Hemingway. Those mm. are good starting points. Wild Night's Story About the Last Days Of is the title. Okay. I will check that out. Uh, okay, yeah, I see Zombie here. Good stuff. I'm gonna have a massive Amazon order after this. <laughs> all those, all those films and books and DVDs. Yeah. Thankfully, I have a lot of. The, I have Apple TV already, so with my phone, I think we got uh, Apple TV with our phones. Yeah. So let me see if I can find that. Well, nice. Okay, check that out. Yeah, I'll have a, a big box of Amazon goodies coming to me soon. Yeah, you'll have to do a, a, an opening. Be like, these are the books I ordered whilst I was on on with Ross. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a, a Ross uh, Ross special. Yeah. Uh, one writer said they sold the most books whenever someone posts a pic on social media of the book with cats or dogs. Now that I believe. Yeah, I believe that. Um, yeah. yeah, and talking about cats and dogs. Um, or just animals in general. Um, I, I, have you read Juniper, um, Steve? You might not have. No, I, I have not. It's on my cart, though. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's kind of um, it's been well, it's been re-released through Stygian Sky Media with the kind of Daniel um, Sarah covers, and um, I I never realised how um, angry people get. Uh, uh, cruelty to animals um, and 
it's it's not like it's not overly aggressive it's just you know some cats meet some fates and uh <clears throat> i have never i have never i never knew like i'm not a big pet person I, you know i love animals i think they're great um and i i i never realized how much backlash i would get from uh juniper um but i could do whatever i like to people yeah whatever like anything like anything is on the cards but as soon as that character kicks that cat like whew, i was like oh no what have i done like <laughs> i got this like and then i started get, i started fearing when i'd see people like posting that they'd got the book and there'd be a cat in the background i'm like oh that's probably not for you <laughs> but it is what it is and you know i got broad shoulders i wasn't being horrible but that's what happens and uh but yeah i was just i was completely like i was like oh dear like people really don't like anything happening to animals but i could do anything i like to that guy <laughs> it was it was quite an eye-opener i like i never realized yeah, people. I know a lot of people stopped watching uh, Midnight Mass after there was a. I won't give it away, but there was a scene with some cats in it from. Midnight oh, near Mass. the beginning, yeah, 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 and a lot of people stopped watching after that. Which, but yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because that's just like one brief, tiniest scene, and then it's kind of like you've given up on all that goodness just for that one bit. Yeah, but and also I have to say, like you don't see any violence towards those cats so if you're thinking about not watching midnight mass because of violence to animals there's not nothing of the such yeah no there's no there's no violence just after yeah, <laughs> yeah. just the uh, aftermath yeah i don't want to give it away but yeah <laughs> well ross hey thanks for for coming by it's been a blast yeah, you're more than welcome. Yeah. i can't believe it's been two and a half hours wow i know it's been yeah it's, it just flies by and let me know when you want to do it again. We'll we'll do this again. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you for so much. Um, yeah. And yeah, thank you everyone who's like put comments in and hung around for two and a half hours and listened to me, <laughs> listened to me talking with like this cold and whatnot. Um, yeah. But yeah, Steve, <laughs> thank you as well for you for like what you do for authors and getting us on and chatting and yeah, building that kind of community. It's really great to see. Yeah, it's it's my favorite part of this whole booktube thing is just just this kind of thing just talking about movies and books and music or whatever just having it you know shooting the shit so i'm gonna so, chat yeah <laughs> yeah it's good stuff so thanks everybody for uh for hanging out with us and chatting with us